participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Hello again, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the program. I am so fired up about today's show. I can't even tell you how fired up I am right now. I'm so fired up. I haven't been this fired up in quite some time, probably since last week, because I do often get very fired up before the shows. But this is a special one, my friends. Golly, what a day this is going to be. First show in March. Like I said, weather getting a little better. We're getting closer to spring. There's a lot going on in the world of combat sports, because don't forget, my friends, just because... There's that three-letter word in our title, MMA. It don't mean that we can't be the beast of the combat sports space as well. Because let's not forget, this show ain't an hour long either. All right? So there's a bunch of misnomers all over this place. Today's a very special day because we have two of the biggest names in combat sports 
on this program. And I would say to any fan out there that doesn't know who these men are, doesn't respect these men, doesn't admire these men for what they do in the ring, in their battlefield, I would say you ain't a combat sports fan, period. And that includes MMA. Now, today on the program, we have, my friends, the best pound-for-pound boxer on the planet right now. Number one, best pound-for-pound boxer on the planet. Arguably the most famous combat sportsman on the planet as well. Arguably. There are several that could be in that discussion. He is in that discussion. We've got the man who's returning to action on May 7th, the man who just inked a potentially $160 million deal with the zone and matchroom boxing. I'm talking about Saul Canelo Alvarez on the program today. Saul Canelo Alvarez. Wow. What a great thrill and honor this is. In addition to that, on the program today, my friends, the lineal champ, the heavyweight king, the gypsy king, man who gave us one of our favorite interviews since we came back to the program mid last year, the man who's returning to action on April 23rd, Wembley Stadium, the one and only Tyson Fury on the program. I mean, are you kidding me? Tyson Fury on the program as well. Oh, by the way, Eddie Hearn on the program too. A lot going on between all of those guys. Golly, what a program. A lot of love today. A lot of haters. A lot of love, though. More love than hate. These are special days, special shows. Mean a lot to me because it's the kind of show that, and the kind of lineup, and the kind of opportunities that make me realize that there are people outside of the world of MMA that are recognizing what we're doing here. We ain't just an MMA show. Of course, 95, 96, 97, 98% of what we're talking about, 99% of what we're talking about is MMA related. And I can guarantee you there is a lot of 272 talk on today's program. Do not worry. But when you have an opportunity and it just kind of works out this way where you get Tyson Fury and Canelo Alvarez on the same program, and oh, by the way, Eddie Hearn as well, I mean, sign me up. Every single damn day for that. I am just so pumped for today's program. So I'm going to get to all of that. We're going to talk 272. Actually, I have some news to talk about at the top of the show. Uh, it's just a lot. Just a, It's a lot going on today. It's a lot going on today. What can I say? As always, we are brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code Hour for a special offer when you sign up. Again, that's code Hour. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Please support them because they support us. Um, okay, let me run down the lineup, and then I'm going to talk about some news, and then we'll get to our first guest, and just a lot. It's just a lot. It's just a lot. Uh, later in the program, we're going to talk to GC, G-City in the house. Give us his picks for 272. There there might be some other picks as well. You never know with that guy. But, of course, everyone wondering, you know, which way is he going to go? Is he going to go Colby? Or perhaps did Mike Brown, you know, did, did maybe Mike Brown convince him to go with Gamebred? Jorge Malabidal, did he ask, you know, the right questions? Did I ask the right questions? Are we asking ourselves the right questions when it comes to this fight? So we will address all of that with GC, of course. It's a great card, 272. Sneaky good pay-per-view, of course. It took a hit uh, with the Rafael Dos Anjos, Rafael Fazia fight falling through, but we still get our Diaz, you likely know by now, against Renato Moicano. More on that in a second. Uh, Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell is a phenomenal fight. 
Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira is a phenomenal fight just this morning. Uh, Kevin Holland's manager, Oren Hodak, telling me that uh, Holland weighs 180, feeling good. He's going down to 170, of course, this weekend after a stint at 185. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he looks at 170 pounds. Uh, Sergey Spivak against uh, Greg Hardy, you know, is, is 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 what it is. But uh, those four fights are really good, and there's some good prelim fights as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, we'll get to all of that with GC later in the show. The three to four hour, it's kind of up in the air at the moment. The precise time when we'll be joined by these guys because they got a lot going on in San Diego right now. <clears throat> Uh, promoting a fight this uh, weekend involving Chocolatito. Uh, Eddie Hearn is going to join us. You remember he was in studio. <clears throat> I had some uh, butternut squash soup right before, like a minute before I went on air. Questionable choice. Thank you, Frank. I got my uh, water bottle here. I'm tired. Escape. Got the donut guy. Got the owl. Attitude is everything. <clears throat> so anyway, the uh, butternut squash in my throat. Eddie Hearn's going to join us, talk about a lot of things, talk about the Canelo deal, talk about Dillian White. Where was Dillian White yesterday at the press conference? You guys watching that? Tyson Fury there, Dillian White not there. Then he does the uh, the face-off, squaring off with the picture. It was it was shades of Hennon Burrell and uh, TJ Dillashaw back in the day. So we'll talk to Eddie Hearn, and we'll also talk in that hour to Saul Canelo Alvarez. I mean, this is a big deal, guys. This is a big deal. This is a big shot. Remember that movie? Meet the parents. Um, I'm sure you would, Panama Reb. We'll also be joined uh, by Tyson Fury at 2 o'clock, 2.30. We're going to be doing the On the Nose segment. We'll answer some questions. Arielhawani.substack.com is where you can leave them. There's a ton already there, so I appreciate everyone. we got a new little wrinkle to that segment. Tyson Fury again at 2 o'clock. Talk about the Dillian White fight. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, some, 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 some Alexander Usyk talk. Maybe some Francis Ngannou talk as well. A lot to talk to Tyson Fury about. And a couple of days ago, uh, he posted something on his Instagram that he's going on a uh, media blackout. A media blackout. He said, don't call me, don't text me, uh, don't DM me, don't reach out to me, nothing. It reminded me of that famous uh, Ringo Starr clip where he's like, as of this day, October 26, do not send me any mail. Anyone ever see that? I love that. Do not send me any mail. I will not be signing anything as of this day, October 26. Peace and love, peace and love. You know that clip? Frank, you know that clip? I actually don't know that clip. You're kidding me. Can I play it right now or is that not allowed? I don't think so. Why? It's just him talking. Why can't I play it? I don't think it's a good idea. (sighs) No more fan mail is the clip. As of this day, as of October the 20th, do not send me any more fan mail. Peace and love, peace and love. Anyway, that's what the uh, the Tyson Fury clip reminded me of. Uh, but he's on the show today. And there's a couple people over there in the control room. Well, one's there, one's not. We're like, ah, he's not going to do it. Media blackout, no chance. And, you know, I take that stuff personally. I take that stuff personally. And so here we are. One thirty, we're going to be joined by Dan Lambert, who's the uh, founder and owner of American Top Team. You want some 272 talk? There's your 272 talk. This man was literally in between Jorge and Colby when they were going back and forth, banned them both at one time from the gym because things got so tense, so heated between the two of them. Eventually, as you know, Colby gone, doing his own thing, Jorge back with the team. 
uh, want to talk to him about how he feels going into this this pay-per-view. And of course, he's now a a superstar on AEW and they have a a pay-per-view this Sunday in Jacksonville. Uh, So we'll talk to him a little bit about that. But it's really about the 272 stuff and how it has affected the gym, the rivalry, the genesis, the embryonic stages, all that and more. That will come at 1.30 with uh, Dan Lambert. Always great to talk to Dan Lambert. A few things I wanted to talk about before we get to uh, that first interview of the day. Like I said, very, very excited about today's program. Once again, uh, feel compelled to send my love to the good people of Ukraine who continue to fight, who continue to inspire who continue to represent their country in the greatest way possible with courage. And uh, I mean, just the absolute courage that we've seen from them is just amazing. I'm so inspired by it. So uh, much respect to everyone who is uh, out there fighting for their independence. And again, to tie it back to the world of combat sports, now we're starting to see more from the Klitschko brothers, from Alexander Usyk, from uh, Vasily Lomachenko, and many more uh, just doing, I mean amazing things, things that, you know, you read about from the, you know, the 50s and 60s, but you don't think it's going to happen now. And these guys are putting their careers on hold, on the line. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the prime of their lives, and they're just going out there to defend their fellow countrymen and their land. It's incredibly inspiring. So just want to give them a, a shout out and, and tell them that, you know, so many people, the, the world is, is rooting them on. It's... Uh, it's a, it's, it's a horrible thing, but it's very inspiring to see what they are doing. Also, at the top of the show, I wanted to send my best to my good friend, Daniel Cormier. Unfortunately, uh, he actually announced this during the show on Monday. Uh, we were on the air. I missed it. Um, saw it afterwards. Unfortunately, his mother passed away, uh, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, he was very, very close to his mother. Uh, he, like I, a, a mama's boy... Uh, one of the many things we actually have in common. And uh, I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting his mother on several occasions, a lovely, lovely lady um, living in Lafayette, but she would always go to every single one of his fights. She was always there. uh, And he spoke so highly of her. He loved her. He would fly back home all the time to be with her, even if it was for a day. Um, You know, he would just go in, go out uh, just to be with her. Uh, he was a great son to her, and, and the reason for that was uh, she was a great mother to him. And uh, I know he's hurting right now, so I just wanted to send my best to my good friend, uh, Daniel Cormier, and uh, tell him that we love him and that we are uh, hoping that he hangs in there and that you know he pulls through from this. And uh, my, my, my heart goes out to him and his family. Very, very sad. So wanted to mention that. And I know a lot of you uh, want to hear me talk about the Cain Velasquez story. It is still... Uh, very, very fluid, very much evolving. Um, you have seen the uh, articles out there already, no doubt about it. Um, and I, I don't feel 100% comfortable talking about it right now, but I will just say this. Uh, everything that you have read probably since last night on um, the backstory is consistent with everything that I have been told from several, that's more than two, very good sources, uh, like to a T. Uh, and so perhaps that can, A, teach us a lesson to, you know, wait for more details when we find uh, out about something that's as shocking as, as that story is and, um, you know, provides a little more color as to what exactly happened. Horrific stuff, a nightmare of a situation. Um, 
and I just I just truly hope that it all works out for the Velasquez family. I know Cain Velasquez, you know, pretty well from over the years. Uh, that is a good man uh, who is a family man who loves his family. And you heard him on the show not that long ago talking about, I mean, you saw that guy. He was in uh, a great, uh, you know, frame of mind, uh, had a lot of love in his heart, um, sort of figuring out life. And um, I just can't imagine. So I know that a lot of people are are sending love and support to Cain Velasquez, and I want to do so as well. Uh, I just hope this all works out and, uh, you know, his life can get back to where it was uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, a very scary situation. I do want to mention that at the top as well. We'll see as as more details come out, um, and and you can read a lot of it online. But felt compelled to send uh, the Velasquez family our love and support at the top of the show as well. Now, a few other things in terms of MMA news to discuss. Monday was fun, right? We 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 were kind of waiting to see if the shoe would drop on the. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus X story at UFC 272. We found out on the air that Rafael Faziev was out due to COVID. Um, feeling better. That is good. Uh, hope he continues to feel better. Anyone doubting that, silly, you're out of your mind. He's not faking. He didn't fake the visa. Like nothing. I can understand why RDA was upset, frustrated, but he wasn't faking. And so then everything started to happen. I thought maybe, you know, something would break at, you know, 5.01 when we got off the air. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, and so I'll just say this. It is true. They did reach out to Tony Ferguson. Never really got very far. Um, we saw the, the, the tweets, right, from Islam Makhachev. That was the main one that everyone wanted to see happen. That was the people's choice. And my read on the situation, again... Not my feeling, my read based on talking to people is RDA called his bluff. Now, before anyone clips this off and sends it to someone out there and says, look at Ariel hating on those dominance guys, please also clip off the part on Monday where I said he deserves a title shot right away. Clip off every single time I've said this guy is incredible, that he's a future title contender, that he's probably going to be a champion, that he's incredible. He doesn't have to take this fight. He's got it in the bag. It's probably going to be in October in Abu Dhabi. He's the heir apparent to Khabib. He doesn't have to take the fight. Had he just come out and said, man, I just fought. I, I literally just fought two days ago. Sorry, I'm not doing it. I think everyone would have been like, all right, cool. But the fact that it was like, hey, 170, and then RDA is like 165, and then he's like, oh, are you running again? And then RDA is like, F it, I'll take the 170, and then it's like silence. What other read can you have on the situation? And then I saw a tweet, which really was bizarre to me, when the when the story came out, I saw a tweet where he retweeted the ESPN MMA, you know, update on the situation that Moicano is fighting RDA. Well, I tried and you failed again. What? What does that even mean? RDA was taking that fight. There were no negotiations to be had. How did he fail? Just like weird. Like, why are we throwing out stuff? Again, had he just come out and said... No, I just fought two days ago. I think that would have been reasonable. But the fact that it was like, hey, I'm going to try to play this game where I'm going to say a weight that I think you're not going to take and then eventually you take it and now you're just going to spin it and say you failed, uh, feels a little disingenuous if you ask me. So 
RDA doesn't believe that it was ever a real thing. It never really got to the point where they were negotiating. It never really got to the point where it was a serious contender being discussed. Uh, Moicano threw his name in the hat. Moicano is in Brazil. Moicano has to fly last night, still, by the way, in transit, as we speak right now, um, from from Brazil, going from Brazil to Miami to Las Vegas, agreed to the fight weighing at 180 pounds. The fight is going to take place at 160, so a catch weight. It remains five rounds, by the way. And if you're wondering why it's a five-round fight, remember, Fazia Vardier was a five-round fight on February 19th. They moved it to this weekend, March 5th, remained a five-round fight. I was told RDA wanted the five rounds. To me, it seems like a really big ass to make, you know, Moicano fight in a five-round fight in a co-main event. Like, this fight doesn't have to be five rounds. There's no reason for this fight to be five rounds. That's the one part about all of this which I find a little bit strange, but how do you not love and respect Hinata Moicano? How do you not give massive props to that guy? And I would also argue, considering how he's looked as of late, he won not that long ago, um... Yes, Faziev in the official rankings is ranked higher, but the win over Moicano or Faziev kind of does the same for RDA. Now, maybe this particular win won't do as much because, of course, Moicano's taking this fight on four or five days' notice, but RDA is getting the same out of it. He's uh, he's getting to fight. He's getting paid, and Moicano got a new deal. He's getting all this love. It's it's a win-win for both. Of course, we wish it was Faziev, but to me, this is a win-win for both. The guy who doesn't look that great in all of this, I hate to say it because I know we're not allowed to say this, but like Islam doesn't look that great. Again, had he just come out and said, no, I fought two days ago. I'm not fighting again. I think that would have been perfectly reasonable. And is it possible he wanted to fight and his team said no? Yeah, it's possible. And is it possible, I don't know, he wanted to fight, his team wanted to fight, and the UFC said no? Yeah, that's possible as well. But why throw it out there and then say that RDA fumbled the bag? RDA did not fumble the bag here. That's just the truth. And anyone claiming otherwise is 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 not telling the truth, is not believing the truth. RDA did not fumble the bag here. We're getting the the RDA fight. He's getting his fight. We're getting a pretty damn good, you know, solid co-main event fight at 160, not 155. Who cares? At five rounds as well, a five-round fight. But I know everyone, including myself, wanted the Makhachev fight. And when he threw it out there, once it was like, oh, damn, RDA has fought at 170 before. Maybe he'll take this. This could make sense. He didn't break a sweat against Bobby Green. He hardly got hit, but it ain't happening. And I suspect that means he gets the title shot in October, and that's fine. I said it at the beginning of the show. He gets the title shot. Only thing that really bothered me about all this was afterwards claiming that RDA was the one that failed. How did he fail? He wanted the fight. He didn't ask for more money. He didn't ask for anything. I can assure you of that. Weird. Why do people say these things sometimes? Um... It's just a bizarre thing. Anyway, so that's one story, and that's an update to a story that uh, we had been following on Monday. So we're getting RDA. The other big story that uh, we talked about very recently and we've been following for quite some time is the Kayla Harrison story. So the update on that is Kayla Harrison got a great contract offer from PFL. Uh, This is like two months ago. And then there were some things along the way that kind of like fell apart. Um, as they were nearing the end zone, if you will. End zone, that's a American football analogy. You get to the end zone, you score a touchdown, the game is over, the negotiation is done. And so they were nearing that, and then some things kind of fell apart. Now, my hypothesis was, you know, the ESPN deal got done, uh, and maybe there wasn't the same sense of urgency, maybe there wasn't the same attention to detail. I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, we'll leave it at that. But it started to fall apart. As a result of that, there was an opportunity to get offers from other people. And Bellator came out with a great offer, presented a great offer. If the details ever come out about this offer, I mean, people will be very, very, very pleased to hear them. Bellator comes out with a great offer, but the terms of her arrangement, her deal with PFL states that PFL can match just the way it is. PFL matched. So now, once they match, they match all the terms, which means Kayla Harrison is getting paid. Kayla Harrison is getting paid better than the vast majority of women fighters in the sport, and dare I say, all of them. Honestly, all of them. Kayla Harrison is getting paid. Her pay is up there with the top males. But I think, and I haven't spoken to her about this, deep down inside, she wanted that fresh start. She wanted that new challenge. She wanted that cyborg fight. We've all said it. What we say, she knows as well. What is there to do at 155 in the PFL, right? Uh, but they matched it. So she's going back. All but done. This time for real. All but done. Here's where it gets interesting, though. Chris Cyborg's deal is up this summer. God bless Sinead Kavanaugh. I don't know if there's a person outside of the Emerald Isle that wants to see a rematch of that fight, a fight that we saw not that long ago. There is no interest in that. And honestly, Cyborg shouldn't have to run that one back. There's not a lot of great things for Cyborg to do right now in Bellator. Her deal's up this summer. I suspect they squeeze in one more, right? It's one of those like X amount of fights or this date comes, whichever comes first. So all in all, by the summer, end of the summer, she could be free to go. If I'm the PFL, I make this right. I sign Chris Cyborg. Now, when I say I make this right, of course they're paying PFL, they're paying Kayla a lot of money. They're making it right on that end. Let's be very clear. They are matching. They are paying. God bless. But let's get that fight. All right, we thought it was going to happen in Bellator. Why can't it happen in PFL? Cyborg would be a nice little boost to the uh, the PFL roster. Now it would happen. You know, it would happen at the end of the summer. You know, maybe in the fall. Maybe it happens championship. Wednesday, whenever that event is, in October. But there is an opportunity to sign Chris Cyborg. She will be available. I say go out and try to sign her. Why not? Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg is one of the the best and biggest women's fights that can be made right now. It's the best and biggest challenge for both. No doubt about that. Obviously, there's a lot more upside for Kayla. She's younger. She's trying to make a name for herself. Uh, Cyborg has has been there, done that. I get it. I understand that. I respect it. But Cyborg isn't slowing down. She still looks really good in there. Let's make it happen. Now that Kayla isn't going to uh, Bellator, why not do it the other way? Do a one-off. Special attraction. Who cares? So that's the update on that. Wanted to tell you guys about that. Uh, also, as I reported yesterday, June 11th, looking like it's going to be in uh, Singapore, uh, which will be interesting. I wonder how uh, one championship feels about that. But it's nice to see the UFC, you know, kind of branching out a little bit once again. Um, I think, based on what I heard, this is one of those sort of like Abu Dhabi, you know, tourism things where it's, you know, getting paid a lot of money. to. If you're wondering why are they going to Singapore, you're getting paid a lot of money to go to Singapore. This is happening. 
you know, in, in pro wrestling, this is happening in MMA, it's happening in boxing. Uh, these, these far out places are paying a lot of money to bring these events because it serves as, you know, advertising for their country, for tourism. Come visit. Yuri Prochaska versus Glover Teixeira on that card. And uh, MMA Fighting reporting yesterday that Tyler Santos versus Valentina Shevchenko on that card as well. So a nice little uh, double bill, if you will. Still unclear as to what goes on as far as the July pay-per-view is concerned. It's going down July 2nd. Uh, looking like they're going to do two pay-per-views in July, so July 2nd and a July 30th pay-per-view. And I suspect by the end of, of August, we'll see Izzy fight Cannoneer, we'll see Pena versus Nunez, um, we'll see Edwards versus Usman, maybe Nathan Diaz, maybe still kind of up in the air at the moment, but definitely going in the right direction. We'll see those big names, whether it's on the July 2nd pay-per-view, the July 30th pay-per-view, the August pay-per-view, uh, I suspect that we will see those names. I would be surprised if we saw Conor McGregor um, that early. Uh, I think late late summer, uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, definitely not, I don't think the October card in Abu Dhabi. Maybe the November card in New York City. Maybe that one. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, but that's all kind of up in the air at this moment. Uh, I know he's he's on Twitter right now and he's kind of messing with people and saying, I can't wait for my title shot. And Dana White's talking about the title shot and everyone's freaking out and getting all upset about these things. And how could you give him a title shot? How could you do? Uh, we're, we're way too early for any of that. And it's still, you know, May 7th going to be Justin Gaethje versus Charles Oliveira. And there's still Islam out there. Like everyone needs to chill out. Everyone needs to chill out. Um this is all, and, and by the way, remember after the uh, after the Cerrone fight, they said that he was going to get a title shot, and he didn't. He got Dustin Poirier, um, but of course the pandemic hit, and who the hell knows, you know, what's going to happen next. So I think everyone needs to chill out and, and not get too worked up about that stuff. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out, as Dana White likes to say. We will see how it all plays out. So UFC 272, it is going down this weekend. It's a very interesting card. It's a very interesting main event. Um, curious to see how it does on pay-per-view. It's been, you know, brewing and, and, and being promoted for several years now. Uh, and so we'll see how, you know, how they do in terms of the numbers. Um, but it feels like a really fun time to be a combat sports fan between what's going on in MMA, what's going on in boxing, of course. Um, it's a fun time. I love it. And so buckle up, my friends. Again, later in the program, we are going to be joined by Saul Canelo Alvarez. Wow. Eddie Hearn as well. Lots to talk to them about. And if you don't know, get educated. Don't live in a bubble. Open your minds. Open your hearts. And oh, by the way, the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, who of course returns to action April 23rd. We hope Dillian White will be there. Wasn't there yesterday. He'll join us on the nose, 2.30, GC, 4 o'clock. lot to get to, a lot of fun to be had. Let's go to our first guest of the day because when I thought about this card, when I thought about this fight, this main event, and when I thought about who I wanted to talk to on the Wednesday before the fight, honestly, there was only one man that came to mind. It wasn't Jorge. It wasn't Colby. It wasn't Mike Brown. We spoke to him on Monday. It was this man. 
because I feel like he knows about this situation, this story better than anyone. And I, I, I wonder, you know, his feelings, his thoughts, his emotions going into it all. And I know he's a big pro wrestling guy. And so I wonder how he feels about the comparison I made on Monday when I compared it to WrestleMania five when the mega powers exploded. And so without further ado, let us say hello to the one and only Dan Lambert, founder, owner of American Top Team. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hey, Ariel. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I thought you were going to be driving when you, you're, you're on the program. You're, you're parked right now. I parked, sat in the passenger side, didn't want the phone vibrating. Uh, didn't want to do that to you, so wow. we're good to go. You're a real pro. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Can I be honest with you? I didn't think you would do this I would hope interview. you would always be honest. Aren't you a reporter? Aren't you guys always supposed to be uh, honest? Here we go. Here we go with this. Uh, okay, to that point, uh, I didn't think you would say yes when I asked you to come on. I really thought you would say, nah, I'm sitting this one out. Under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't. And so why this time? Why, why do you want to talk this time? Or why were you open to talking? I want to plug my AEW pay-per-view <laughs> on Sundays, right? else you want to talk about <laughs> yes that is right i did mention it at the top of the show aw revolution going down in jacksonville uh this sunday they're doing great things i was tweeting about mjf last week he's doing incredible stuff you're still doing incredible stuff by the way are you just talent for aw or are you involved financially as well oh no i'm just i'm just friends with tony having a good time watching wrestling being a fan so is it possible that you are going to be in jacksonville on saturday night and not in las vegas uh, the pay-per-view is Sunday night in Orlando. I'm leaving right after the fights and uh, getting on a red eye and flying to Orlando Sunday morning. That's right. It's in Orlando. Okay. Wait. So why, where are you going? Oh, you're going out for TV. Yeah. Dynamite's tonight at 8 o'clock. I'm heading up to Jacksonville. I'll head home right after that, get home at like 3 a.m. and catch a 6.30 flight out tomorrow morning. So I'm good to go. Okay. I thought you were going to do the thing where you kind of abstain and you stay out of it and you stay back home. You don't want to get involved. It's too personal. You're not doing that. I mean, if when it's two guys who are on our team at the time fighting each other, that's generally my philosophy because there's it's kind of like a, a no-win situation for me. But, uh, you know, hey, we got one guy on our team and one guy who's not on our team, so it's a fight. Can you describe how you feel? What are your emotions going into this fight on Saturday? You know, the bigger the fight, and this is a big fight, you yeah. know, I mean, there's no kind of this is a big fight. So the bigger the fight, the, you know, the – it's, it's really just nervous. You feel nervous for the guys who are in big fights because, you know, it's, it's hard to get excited for a fight when you, you know how much is on the line for the person fighting. Now, MMA is a very unforgiving sport. You go out there and you're winning and you're winning and you're on top of the world and opportunities are throwing themselves at you. You go and lose a big fight and, you know, it's kind of an unforgiving crowd. They think you suck. You go to the bottom of the, of the line. You know, it's uh, there's a lot riding on a fight like this, especially with all the buildup of something like this. So I'm nervous. But it does, I mean, like, you've been in big fights. You've had guys in big fights, right? You, you, your, your team has been involved in the biggest of fights, title fights, uh, guys and gals. Does this one feel different because it's so personal? It feels different just because of how long Jorge's been on the team, you know, how much he means to a lot of the team, uh, how invested a lot of people are on the team that have taken a lot of what's gone on personally, you know, from my standpoint, I try not to get too high with the wins and too low with, with the losses, but it's, it's hard to take the personal element out for the guy. You know, I just, I, I know how much this fight means to Masvidal and, you know, and it's a big fight for the team. Every fight's big for our team, but you know, when the team loses fights, there's fights the following weekend, you know, that we got three more guys fighting that night that are all in big fights. 
So there's, there's, there's always the next thing for the team, but it's, it's hard to remove yourself from the individual. So yeah, Miles Woodall's got a lot riding on this one. Considering all that, uh, any concern that he'll be too emotional in there? I think that plays to George's benefit. I think if you look over George's career, the times where he's put on uninspiring performances are just kind of when he gets, he gets bored out there, or just wants to see how good his defense is. And, and he, you know, he sometimes, you know, I've kind of referred to it as a boxing mentality where, you know, Floyd can go out there and make the guy miss 99.9% of the shots and people like mine, he's a master, he's a maestro. Wow. How amazing was his defense? But you go out there and you apply that into a three or five round MMA fight and people are like, that's fucking boring. And, and the guy who threw 10 times more punches, even though he landed less, still gets the nod. And I think that George being, you know, so emotionally involved in this fight, I think it plays into him. I think he's going to go out there more aggressive and it's going to, it's going to behoove him. Do you recall the first time you met Masvidal? No. I mean, it's 17, 18 years ago. Wow. No. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> okay, let me ask you, are you, if you can answer honestly, like are you surprised that he became the star that he became? Let's be honest, 10 years ago, the trajectory wasn't going this way, right? Even five years ago, and now he's become one of the biggest stars in the sport, one of the biggest draws in the sport. Are you surprised by the heights that he has reached? Absolutely stunned, flabbergasted. Oh, really? I, okay. gra- I grabbed him one time at the gym when <laughs> he was just, doing things the wrong way and I grabbed a couple of the young guys and said if you want to screw up your career do what George does if you want to waste all the talent in the world like this guy has do what George does wow and I just you know I just I guess I was wrong but uh you know he tells a story that he went down there to South America and did that reality show and spent all that time under the stars thinking about it to himself and reinventing himself and figuring out and cracking the code and everything's going to be different and I just thought he was full of shit and, uh, man, he was right. He, something clicked in him. He changed it. He always had the talent, always had the ability. He's a smart fighter. You don't realize how athletic George is unless you actually sit there and watch him do strength and conditioning next to other guys who, you know, have the more traditional studly athletic body. But George blows guys away. He's got the whole package. He just had never put it together. And after a certain amount of time and not putting it together, you don't think a guy's ever going to put it together again. So, yeah, when he did it, I was I was pretty surprised. I appreciate you saying that. When he was messing up and he told those guys, like, if you want to blow it, do what he does, what was he doing? Like, how bad was it? It's just, he was snickering, if I, if I recall at the time when I did it, thinking I was busting his balls because it's kind of the relationship I have with George over the years. He's a funny guy. And he likes, to, he likes to, to bust it up. But uh, he just, man, it just seemed like one opportunity after another, he would, he would lose fights that, that he could win, he, you know, it was always by split decisions. I mean, George was very rarely did you ever see George get outclassed in a fight, you know, it's just, and whether you're fighting down to the level of competition or you're just, just doing enough to win um, or you're, you're out there just thinking, Hey, I'm going to make this guy miss and look bad. Cause that's cool. I don't really know what, how to put my finger on it. He just was, he was never living up to his talent because his talent is elite. Do you remember when you first met Colby? Yes. What's the story there? Uh, Colby came down with a group of people we brought down years back when we were trying to elevate the level of wrestling in our gym. And uh, we asked for some applicants from recent college graduates, high-level college wrestlers, bring them down. We were going to put them up 
and uh, let them stay in our apartments and teach them to fight. And we thought it would just be a way to increase the level of wrestling in our room. And he sent in an application like a bunch of other guys and we picked him out. He came down for a tryout and everybody was pretty impressed by what he brought and uh, just kind of went from there. Are you surprised at the star that he has become? No. Um, I think it was apparent pretty early on to most of the guys at our gym that, that he had a, he had a talent, he had a knack for, for this sport. He was going to be a difficult puzzle to solve for just about anybody. So this is what's really interesting about this story. You guys have told the story before. We don't have to go through it. You know, he's kind of going through the UFC, somewhat of like a, you know, a vanilla wrestler, if you will, interchangeable. And they say like, Hey, you know, we're reaching the end of the road here. Uh, you know, your career, your, 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 your run in the UFC might be on the line. That kind of like, you know, makes him start thinking he has to do something. He has to, you know, up the volume. He's got to, you know, become this character. He becomes the character. We know the story. Knowing how big of a pro wrestling fan you are, am I, am I correct in assuming that you had a part in creating the character that is Colby Covington that we see today? Because it, it's right out of pro wrestling, right? That's what he's always been accused of. Um, I may have put a little ingredient or two into the early mix of what you see now. You know, I didn't think uh, Dr. Frankenstein was going to come along and add every other ingredient in the world to it and, and make it blow up the way it blew up. I mean, it's, it's one thing shitting on a particular country or a particular guy to get under people's skins and get yourself noticed. It's another thing to take to the next level and shit on every single person in the sport and everybody in every other sport and men and women and people in different weight classes and then people in your own gym. And, you know, if I, had, if I had seen it going down that direction and, and knew then what I know now about what a distraction would be for our gym, I, I probably would have tried to insert myself a little differently into that equation. So that being said, do you regret any involvement in, in, in the building of this Colby Covington character? Well, I mean, if the, if the story had gone the way it looked like it was going to go and he had one fight left and then was going to be unemployed and looking to go fight somewhere else versus what he's accomplished and the money he's made and the notoriety he's gained, you know, positive or negatively, I think it worked out pretty damn well for Colby. So I, I think some of the initial advice that I may have given him was probably sound advice at the time. Do you remember when it started to get uncomfortable for you? Like what the, uh, you know, that first kind of comment or situation where you were like, yeah, this is, this is not really exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. It got uncomfortable when it started being directed at other people in our gym. You know, when, when he first got back from Brazil after the Damian Maya fight, you know, it was what it was. And a couple of people were, you know, rubbed the wrong way. And a couple of the coaches on the team were getting blown up by people from back in Brazil. Like, what are you doing? Stand up for our country. You piece of shit. You need to kick this guy out. How are you not fighting this guy? That was easy to, that was easy to overcome. You know, I just grabbed everybody and sat him down and said, look, here's what the story is. Here's what he's doing. He's trying to get himself, you know, out in front of this and, and, and get himself noticed and, 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 and make some money on his own. You know, it's out of the gym. What happens outside the gym is outside the gym. Inside the gym, we're not American, Brazilian, this, that. We're just American top team. You know, it's your team. And that was easy. That was an easy sell. Um, once stuff started getting directed at Masvidal and Dustin and Joanna and, 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 you know, it started becoming internal. That's, that's when it got uncomfortable and it got uncomfortable quick. I mean, you need to, you need to be able to walk into your gym and that's got to be your safe spot. That's going to be a comfortable zone where everybody's there to help each other. And uh, when it gets the other way, it became a distraction pretty quick.
Was there ever a point where you thought you might lose the gym? Like like the fact that, you know, all hell would break loose and not lose the gym, like like you would lose the guys, like like it would just like lose control. Did you ever fear that? I mean, early on, I just figured I could fix it. You know, mm. I said, that's okay. We'll just we'll come up with some parameters. We'll come up with some rules. We'll talk to the guys. We'll, we'll fix it. When I realized that wasn't going to work, no, I just figured I'd lose both fighters, which we did at one point. You know, I just, at some point, you got to say it's the gym's bigger than this guy or that girl or or both of these guys. So at one point, you know, I, I just told them both to to hit the bricks. That was around two years ago, right? It was just before the pandemic, I think. Okay. And and what led to that decision? Because that's a big deal to let go of Jorge in particular, right? He'd been with you forever. <clears throat> what leads to you to say both you guys are out of here? Just trying to fix it, trying to fix it, trying to come up with something works, and then having both guys just basically do whatever they wanted to anyway. And then we finally set an ultimatum at the gym and said, if, unless you have a bout agreement signed to fight each other, I don't want to see anybody in the gym's name and anybody else's mouth in the media. If anybody talks shit about somebody else in the gym and brings any negativity into our gym, no questions asked, you're gone. You're just going to leave. I don't care who you are. And I think it took maybe like an hour and a half from the time we set that rule till Masvidal went out. And I guess he doesn't, he doesn't do well with ultimatums. So uh, he came right out and put Colby on blast. And then Colby responded. And a couple hours after I saw that, I just sent them both a text. And what'd you say? Do you remember? What'd you write? Yeah, I said, I said, I liked you guys both better when you were fighting in prelims. We were broke as shit and you cared more about the gym than you did about yourselves. Um, neither one of you are welcome back. I hope you fight each other soon and I hope you beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> What did they respond? Uh, Colby responded back. I understand. Appreciate everything you did for me. And I'll do whatever you think's best for the team. Masvidal called me and said, you out of your mind. You can't kick me off this team. I've been here longer than anybody. I'm like third in line to take over this gym when a couple of you guys die. I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, just played a little bit of a cat and mouse game for a few months. And I just said, dude, you're, you're not coming back. It's just not happening. And uh, he was gone for maybe three months or so before I finally caved in and, you know, he ended up back. Did Colby try to come back? No, Colby said, I get it. I know I, I, I understand my personality and the path I've chosen may not fit well in a, in a big gym setting like this. And if you don't want me there and you don't think it's good for the team, I'll go somewhere else. And I, and I knew when he left, he wouldn't be back. And I think it's worked out better for him. Had he asked you to come back like Masvidal did, would you have let him come back three, four months later? I don't know how I could have made that work. Um, so, no, I don't think that ever would have happened. Um, but I knew that he, was, he wouldn't have come back if somebody asked him to come back. Once he got in a situation that was more tailored around him and it could be, you know, Team Colby hmm. instead of American Top Team, I knew that would work out better for him, and I, and I think it has. Um, and Masvidal just kept calling and calling and saying, hey, man, I'm coming back. Tomorrow's good. Tomorrow's good. When am I coming back? And, you know, guys on the team were asking me. And, you know, I'm letting Mike Brown drive down to Miami after hours to, you know, to go help Masvidal at home. And Brownie's calling me at midnight saying, I'm driving home from Miami at midnight. God damn it. <laughs> if I got to be awake, I'm going to keep you awake. And, you know, at one point, I, I think I sent a group text to my kids asking if they wanted to go to dinner that night. And two of them responded back and said, 
sorry, promise Masvidal I won't talk to you anymore until you let him back at the gym. <laughs> and I was like, my God, I think I'm going to end up tapping out on this one. So he, he broke me down. Wow. that is, and, and when you brought him back, did you have a heart-to-heart with him? No, I mean, there's, there's really what's there to discuss. I mean, it was right. just his issue with Colby. Right. And, and you know Masvidal. Masvidal is, he sees things one way. You're not going to convince Masvidal that what he did, you know, wasn't right. It's just, it's just the way he is. He's not going to play games and it's not a shtick for him and he's not working anybody. It just is what it is with Masvidal. And, you know, if, if I said, you know, change this, do this, do that, he's going to be like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. I, I'm me. It, it, this is who I am. But with that said, I've fucking been here longer than anybody else. Let me back in the gym, right. motherfucker. <laughs> and you did. Um, he told a story to ESPN earlier this week. It ran earlier this week about them kind of having a face-to-face. And and uh, he said, you know, meet me at the sushi restaurant and all this stuff. And, and Colby didn't um, didn't show up, all that. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the story. I, I'm sure you know all about the story. Were you there that day when they had their face-to-face? I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it. Whenever anybody wanted to tell stories about stuff like that over the last few years, I've just said, leave me the hell out of it. Not interested. If I want drama, I'll turn on AEW on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on TBS. By the way, what about Friday nights on TNT? I like my Rampage, too. Okay. I'm with you. Thanks for the plug. No I'm sure problem. Tony appreciates that. Yes, of course. Uh, Wednesdays. At, it's actually one of my favorite things to do, by the way. I've said it on this show. Come home. I'm done my shows Monday, Wednesday. I'll watch my AEW on Wednesday. I'm a big fan. I'm sure they're happy to have your <laughs> your viewers. Uh, okay, now back to that. Have you ever seen them go back and forth? Like, did you ever see them get really, really, you know, in each other's face? Did it ever get tense in the latter stages of the uh, the time that they were there together? Yeah, it got to the point where every day at the gym would have to be coordinated amongst the coaches as to who was coming when and who was training with who just to make sure they didn't have to cross paths. I mean, we've got a 40,000 square foot gym and I'm worried about who's going to be training in what section of the gym with who and who's going to be walking through the door at what time and who's going to be there just in case it gets out of hand and they try going at each other, which, which happened. And, you know, got to that point. I'm like, what am I doing? This mm-hmm. just, this just isn't going to work. Did you have uh, any fighters who told you if Colby doesn't leave, I'm not coming back? Um, Dustin Poirier and, and Colby had their run-ins and Dustin is much like Masvidal where he's just not, you know, there's just, there's just one way to do things for him, the way he sees things right and the way he sees things wrong. So yeah, I think it got to the point where, where Poirier was pretty close to probably not wanting to train at our gym anymore and having to deal with that situation with Colby. It was kind of all combusting at the same time. When's the last time you spoke to Colby? Um, probably in a phone call right when I told him he had to leave and he ended up calling me back. He texted me and then he called me. We talked a little bit. Um, a couple texts since then back and forth, but that's about it. It's been a while. Cordial texts? Yeah, I mean, if, if I saw Colby in a restaurant right now, I'd walk up and say, hello, how you doing? I think the response would be similar. I mean, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. I don't think he um, had the best interest of the team in mind. I think he could have changed it up a little bit and been just as effective. I think he could have shit on whatever country his opponent was from and 
jumped aboard the MAGA train and pissed off half the country in his love of Donald Trump. And I think everything would have been fine for him. Um, I don't think he needed to add everything else to the mix, but obviously he did. And it works for him. And, you know, when you combine it with the fact that he's going to win just about every fight he has, because he's a, he's a really talented fighter, it works for him. It just works better in a smaller gym without a million other targets that you feel the need to attack. You're, you're a great person to ask this question to because of your love of pro wrestling. You're, you're a student, a historian. Is he a good heel in your opinion? You see the reaction he gets, you know, you, you can listen to what people say about it online, or you can listen to the reaction he gets when he walks to the cage. So I think when he walks to the cage on Saturday night and Kurt Angle's music plays and everybody's chanting, you suck. I, th- I think he's pretty good heel. And so do you think this will be one of those situations? We've seen these bad blood fights and then they hug it out and it kind of ruins the whole thing. What do you think happens on Saturday after the fight, regardless of what goes down? There is not a chance in the world of those guys hugging it out at the end of that fight. I will be the most surprised person in that arena, in that state, in this country, in the world, if those two guys hug it out at the end of that. It's just, it's just not possible. Do you have any concerns like press conference weigh in that it might get ugly here this week? Um, Concerns to the extent that, you know, the commission might have to get involved and sanction somebody or it could endanger the fight or just concerns that something's going to blow up because something will blow up. You put those two in front of each other, yeah, something will – it's not going to be a nice little face-off. You know, Dana's – hopefully he got his rest over the weekend because he's probably going to have to jump in front of some guys. It seems like the, uh, you know, the the impetus of this issue with Masvidal is that Colby didn't pay Paulino Hernandez, who he thinks very highly of, like a father figure to him. Did you have that same issue with Colby? Like, was he not paying other people? Did you ever have to step in there? Well, our fighters just pay our gym a percentage, and our coaches get paid out of that. Paulino's different. Paulino's got his own place. He's down in Miami. He just helps a couple select fighters, and he makes his own deal with them. So I don't know what happened with Colby and Paulino. I would not be involved in that. Paulino's not the type of guy that would ever come to me and say somebody owed him money and didn't pay him. He just wouldn't. Um, He would deal with it on his own. And knowing him, he would just say, screw that guy and walk away and never say a word about it to anybody. Um, Masvidal's a little bit of a different breed, as he said. So, no, I wasn't involved in it. Okay. What about paying the gym? Colby always paid our gym. Okay. I mean – just curious, because that seems to be like the, the crux of the issue here. One last thing on the fight. Uh, what would you say to people who are like, ah, this is coming a little too late for, for Jorge. He's coming off the first knockout loss of his career. Colby's younger. He's got that style. He's relentless. <clears throat> do, 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 you know, it's, it, I think it's a valid point to make, right? You come off the first knockout loss of your career, you might be a little gun shy. Um, it's a tough match. Colby, as you said, is a tough matchup for anyone. You, know, you, you think George is going to be gun shy of getting knocked out by Colby? No, I don't know, but it's a mental thing, right? Jorge, uh, excuse me, uh, George St. Pierre got, you know, knocked out by uh, Matt Serra, and, you know, the talk was that he changed his style. He was a little more timid. He was a little more uh, conservative, if you will. So I'm just curious if, like, these things have crossed your mind. No, that hasn't crossed my mind in the, in the, in the slightest. George and Colby are, are both elite guys. Um, somebody told me that Usman broke down the fight and just nailed it. He said that is going to be a lot harder to take down and hold down than Colby thinks, and Colby's going to be a lot harder to just box the shit out of 
than Masvidal probably thinks because they're both really good at everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really hard fight. I think anybody who thinks that one guy's going to go in and just dominate the other, I think they're wrong. I don't think there's there's anybody that's just going to go in and dominate these guys. And when you add in the mix of what they feel about each other, I think it's going to make each guy more aggressive, and I think it's going to make the fight more fan-friendly. Um, you know, as far as advantages, obviously you're going to get Miles with all the advantage standing, Colby the advantage on the ground. And and as the longer the fight goes, it probably helps Colby because the guy's got, you know, he, he's got that he's got that third lung. I mean, the guy can just go. So, you know, which – may put more impetus on Masvidal to be even more aggressive early on in the fight to try to finish it. So I, I'd i be surprised if this was a boring fight. I'd be surprised if this was a fight where these guys hung it out at the end. I think it's going to be a violent fight. and I think the guys are going to hate each other just as much when it's over as they do now. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple more things and I'll let you go. I think uh, your, your co-pilot over there is falling asleep from this interview. So I'm not doing a great job. Um, uh, AEW, by the way, tonight on TBS, Dynamite, Pay-Per-View, Sunday, Revolution. You're involved. We'll get your thoughts on that. But I do want to ask, I haven't asked you this, Amanda Nunes, why did she leave? Amanda decided she wanted to do something else. She, I don't know if she's just figuring out her long-term, what she wants to do when she's done fighting and wants to have a gym and a team. She's always told me she wants to get involved in coaching. You know, when she told me that in the past, I thought she meant coaching at the team, which I thought would have been great. Um, apparently, she had other ideas in mind. And bottom line is, you know, we want people at our gym that want to be at our gym. I don't have contracts with any of our fighters. Anybody who doesn't want to be there, they know where the door is. You know, the team goes on. I wish her the best. There's there's no ill feelings on, in either direction. She just decided she just wants to control things going forward on her own, and she wants to open up her own place and power to her. You used to kind of work with her as well as a, as a manager. Is that no more as well? Yeah, that's no more as well. I don't I don't work with people that aren't in our gym. Okay. Do you feel somewhat betrayed by any of this? No. I you know, I don't think anybody or anything is is permanent in in this sport. It's just, you know, what when you're together and you got your time together, you make the most of it. You get the best run possible. Hopefully both sides benefit from it. And when the time's right and and somebody doesn't want to be there any longer. See you later. Go, good luck. Go do what you do, and we'll do what we do. If she wins that fight in December, do you think she's still there? If she wins the fight in December, she's still there. Um, sometimes it takes something dramatic for someone to finally get off their ass and do something they've been thinking of doing for a long time anyway. So she might still be at the gym if she had won that fight. Just didn't, you know, but still within the back of her mind. Obviously, she was thinking about that as for a long time, doing her own thing and wanted to do her own thing. And if this is what needed to push her in that direction to go do it, so be it. Uh, I reported yesterday that uh, PFL matched Kayla's offer from Bellator. Um, she tweeted last night, I'm frustrated. I'm beyond frustrated. Uh, can you shed some light? I think the world of Kayla, I think she's one of the best fighters on the planet. Can you shed some light as to why she is frustrated? Kayla just wants to fight the best. That's just what, it's what she wants. It's more important to her than money is. And um, I think when she had an opportunity to fight somebody that is among the best to ever do it, she got really excited. And I think she was just disappointed, not necessarily to go back to PFL because PFL is a great company. They pay well, they're getting bigger. They're doing better. I've had lots of people that have gone there and done really well and love that company. And I hope they last forever doing what they're doing. So I don't think that she was disappointed necessarily to be doing business with those guys on the form that they have and their platform. I think she was just 
disappointed at missing the opportunity to get a fight against a really big name because I think she thinks she's the best in the world, and I think she would love the opportunity to do it. And I think she would do it for less money if she had that that piece of the equation in place. And I think she came close to getting it in her mind and just a little frustrated for it to not come through. She couldn't have to ask PFL, like, hey, can you let me take this fight? You know, much respect, but I want to go over here. Yeah, sure. Hey, Dana, uh, Connor wants to go do a, you know, a fuck over in Bellator. You don't mind, do you? You know, it's crazy. They're going to do a show in Ireland again. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, why should people watch the pay-per-view on Sunday, AEW Revolution? Tell us. Give us the hard sell here. Man, I don't know if, if anybody's a wrestling fan and in the past and then fell out of love with it like I kind of did for a little while. AEW will bring you back to where you were before. They've got a little bit of everything. They've got some characters in there. They've got guys that wrestle every style in the world. And if you're not excited to see a dog collar match with MJF and CM Punk, then I don't know what to tell you. And your involvement? Yeah, I'm just, I'm there having a good time. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on at the pay-per-view for me. There's some people there I like. There's some people there I don't like. If I get a chance to get on the microphone and talk some smack about somebody I don't like, I'll jump on. Is Paige going to wrestle? Um, I would be surprised if you did not see Paige eventually do something in professional wrestling. She, uh, she got a little taste of it, and she liked it. And I think she's a little bit of a natural for it. So, yeah, I would expect her to do something in wrestling sooner rather than later. What about Junior? Man, you want to talk about somebody who took to it like a fish to water? That guy was was doing stuff the first time he stepped into a ring that had everybody there scratching their heads saying, where's this guy been for the last X years? He, uh, he has some other stuff cranking right now fight-wise. Um, he really enjoyed his time over there, and I think that's something he's looking at for when he's done competitively fighting that he might get into full-time. What about Jorge? I, th- I think Masvidal can do anything Masvidal wants. I mean, the guy Dana is just, let him, though. He, he's unique. He's, just, he's got a lot of charisma. Um, every time I, I talk to that guy, he's doing something crazier and crazier. I called him not that long ago, and it was a funny ring, and he answered. I'm like, were you out of the country somewhere? He's like, yeah, I'm in Egypt. Uh-huh. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in Egypt? He's like, yeah, I think we're going to do some fights right by the pyramids or something. You know, it's like the guy's just, man, he's he's got that it factor. Everything fell into line with him and, and put some rocket fuel into his career. And I wouldn't be surprised if that guy did pro wrestling. I wouldn't be surprised if that guy went on a run and ended up winning the welterweight title. I wouldn't be surprised if that guy ended up getting into politics. That guy can can do a lot of things. Appreciate you doing this, Dan. Uh, I know, like I said, I know you don't do a lot of these, uh, although you've been doing a few lately, so that gave me some uh, some hope that you would say yes to me. Um, good luck this evening. AEW, Dynamite, TBS, 8 p.m. Eastern, Rampage, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT, Pay-Per-View, Sunday in Orlando, uh, Sunday evening revolution. Then, of course, the big one that we care about most here, UFC 272, your guy, Jorge Madvidal, going up against Colby Covington. Can't wait for it. Appreciate you kind of reliving some of those memories. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be happy when this is all over and you don't have to do that anymore. So good luck to you and the team, Dan, and safe travels to Jacksonville. Okay, thanks. All have right. A good one. Take care. There he is, the one and only Dan Lambert, the uh, founder and owner of American Top Team. 
Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That was fun. Great to pick his brain a little bit. How about this? In a matter of moments, I do believe we're going to be joined by the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, the one and only the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Matter of seconds, this coming through right now, they have sold in the first three hours of the on sale more than... This is great. I love that you just did that, Frank, because honestly, I should have done that. That's now 0 for 2, if you ask me. But you know what? Maybe I don't have to be the one to tell you to do it, right? Um, I'm picking up what you're laying down here. Yeah, like, listen, it's just like, you know, I can't do everything. What do you want me to do? Like, you want me to switch the cameras too? Like, what do you want me to do? You want me to cut the the podcast afterwards? What do you want me to do? Let's see what the text message said. We got breaking news, Frank. More than 80,000 tickets have been sold in the first three hours of the on sale. Uh, That is uh, for the Wembley Stadium event. Going down April 23rd, pay-per-view in the U.S., of course. BT Sport box office. My good friends over at BT. 80,000 tickets in the on-sale first three hours. That's absurd. They're expecting a million-plus buys. A million-plus buys in the U.K. Not to mention whatever it's going to be in the U.S. That's a big freaking deal. That is a big freaking deal. 80,000 tickets. Wow. In three hours. So hopefully all those fans that couldn't get tickets to the uh, the March 19th event for the UFC at the O2, hopefully they got their tickets for this. 80,000. Wow. And so in case you missed it yesterday, they had a, uh, a press conference in London at Wembley where it was supposed to be Uh, Tyson Fury and Dillian White, the man that he'll be facing on April 23rd. They were supposed to be there. They were supposed to be at the dais. They were supposed to face off, you know, do the the pre-fight press conference thing, the on sale, if you will. Unfortunately, Dillian White didn't show up. Now, this has happened before. People haven't showed up for, you know, 
various reasons. Of course, we all remember the uh, the Conor McGregor press conference with uh, Nathan Diaz for UFC 200 when uh, Conor didn't show up. That was for a particular reason. Uh, this one, a uh, another reason. Now, there have been some kind of speculation out there as to why Dillian didn't show up. It seemed like Tyson didn't really care. It seemed like uh, Frank Warren, who is Tyson Fury's uh, uh, promoter over at Queensberry, uh, it seemed like Frank Warren was very upset about this, and he even said, "I saw an interview with him afterwards where he said that you know they tried everything. They 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 were talking about getting him a, a private jet. I believe Dillian White is in uh, in Portugal training right now. Um, they tried everything to get him over, and he still wouldn't do it. Uh, ultimately, you know, Tyson Fury is the A side here, and 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 he's the big draw. But you got to have you know you got to have the the opponent as well. You got to have the B side. So." Uh, Frank seemed upset. Tyson didn't really seem all that upset. He was dropping the the one-liners left and right. Uh, he was in great form, in great spirits as well. He was walking and talking. It was like, it was like a show. It was it was like a comedy set. It was amazing. Uh, and he should be happy. He should be psyched. Thirty-two million for this fight. Incredible. Remember the whole purse bit thing? We talked to Eddie about that. Uh, by the way, Dillian White making eight million. I will remind you, MMA fans out there, that. Uh, Dillian White making $8 million, nowhere near the level of fame and, dare I say, skill as one Francis Ngannou, who made 650000 for his fight against Cyril Ghosn back in January at UFC 270. Dillian White, once again, making $8 million. I believe it goes up to 8.4 if he beats Tyson Fury. Uh, Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC, uh, in MMA, you know, essentially... When you're the heavyweight champion of the UFC's uh, heavyweight division, you're essentially viewed as the number one heavyweight on the planet when it comes to MMA. Uh, got 650, 650K. I mean, the the bonus that Dillian White would get if he shocks the world and beats Tyson Fury, the bonus that he would get is almost as much as what Francis got for that in that entire fight. Think about that. The bonus, the $400,000 bonus is almost as much as the 650 that Francis got for the fight. That's crazy. I wonder what the line is as of right now. Let's see if I can pull this up here in relative short order. I would imagine Tyson Fury is the favorite. Where is it? I'll get this. Maybe GC can tell me. Oh, here it is. Tyson Fury as of right now, a minus 600, Dillian White, a plus 2,500. Huge honor as always to be joined by the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, the Gypsy King, the face of boxing, the one and only Tyson Fury, who returns to action on April 23rd. There he is, Tyson. What's up, my man? How are you? Look at those guns. What's up, my brother? Tyson, I have to say, this is such a huge honor, a huge privilege. The whole crew in the back over there, they didn't believe me when I said that you were coming on. You know why? You said, media blackout, don't bother me, don't reach out to me, I'm not doing anything. Here you are a day after the press conference. How should I receive this honor? This, I mean, did you make an exception for you us? Is that very, what happened? very honored. I'm only doing this because I promised you one after the press conference or at the press conference, and we didn't get to do it yesterday, so I'm honoring my word as a man. Legend. Thank you, Tyson. It means a lot to us. Appreciate it. So when did you find out that Dillian wasn't showing up? Oh, oh frilly and white knickers. <laughs> I, um, I found out he wasn't going to show up just the night before the show. And, uh, yeah, he didn't show up, but single-handedly, I sold out Wembley. 100,000 tickets today. Sell our baby. Gone. 
Okay, so I just in got, one day, single-handedly I, on my own. <laughs> you did. I got word. I just read it. Uh, this was from Top Rank. Eighty thousand sold in the first three hours. You're saying now the hundred thousand tickets are sold. The full stadium has gone, sold out. Wow. Gone. How many hours? Zero tickets available. How many hours is that? I don't know. A few hours. Wow. It's all gone. It's completely sold out. Are you surprised by this? Hell no. <laughs> You're talking to the biggest sports combat star in the world. That is I'm a... the most loved. I'm the best looking with the best beard. So it's an amazing thing. In your opinion, could you tell us like legit, why do you think he didn't show up? Because he's feared of the Gypsy King. And he knows I would have probably removed his teeth for him at the press conference. Listen, he can't, he can't come to a press conference with a man like me. He can't talk for one. He has no good comebacks for two. And he would have got his ass handed to him for free. <laughs> do you think, just cutting through it all, do you think Eddie Hearn told him not to go? Yes. Eddie Hearn the bitch, I'm going to call him. Eddie Hearn the bitch told him not to come which is bad advice because in time to come, he will regret this not turning up for the biggest, the biggest British fight in history. Sell out, sold out Wembley Stadium quicker than anybody ever. Um, we're going to break all pay-per-view records in the UK as well with this fight. That's a guarantee. Um, and he's no part of it. He hasn't sold it. He hasn't done anything. It's all me. I'm a one-man band. I'm a one-man army. <laughs> what do you think it does pay-per-view-wise? What's your prediction? I think it does uh, two two million pay per views in the UK. Wow, damn! And what about in the US? Um, I'm not sure what time it's going to be in the US. What time will it be? Oh, midday be or something? Yeah, it'll be five o'clock. It'll be nice Saturday afternoon. Five o'clock. People are just coming home from work. No, but it's a Saturday. I don't know, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a Saturday. Maybe half a million. Wrong time of the day. Nice. That's incredible. So, why do you think Eddie told him not to show up yesterday? Because Eddie don't want to um, do any advertising for the show because Dylan White can't make another one cent. So it doesn't benefit him to, to be at these shows money-wise, but it does benefit him to be at these shows for his own legacy. Um, it's not just about money at this level. It's about being involved in these big events, being on the world's biggest stage, the homecoming of the Gypsy King, and he gets to be a part of it. He's the lucky guy. He's getting 32 times his biggest payday. Um, take it back, not his biggest payday, his last payday. His last fight he had against Povetkin, he's making 32 times more than that fighting me. On the world's biggest stage, sellout crowd, um, he should have been involved, but he wasn't. So not the be-all and end-all of everything. I don't really care because it's not my legacy. Um, and that's it, really. But it, I didn't really need him there anyway because no matter who the opponent is, they only say two or three words anyway. It's usually me who does all the talking and all the, the selling. And that, that's proof today because um, I sold it out single-handedly. And people ain't coming to see Dylan White, Frilly and White Knickers. They're coming to see the Gypsy King return, return of the Mac to the UK. And that's how we roll. Do you have any concern that he doesn't show up on April 23rd? No, no concern because he's getting too much money not to show up. And he can't make... Anywhere he can't even make half of that fight in anybody else. So and he gets a shot at the world title, which obviously everyone's been avoiding him all these years. Me and Deontay, mm. we've been running scared of this little bitch. 
Doesn't it blow your mind though? Eight million this guy's getting. Eight million for the fight, and yet it seems like he's doing it all under duress. Like he's upset about it all that they didn't get the fight. Like it's still at the end of the day, eight million dollars. I believe eight point four if he beats you, right? If he shocks the yeah. world, does it blow your yeah. mind? Like honestly, I don't want to sound like weird here, but like I feel like he should be thanking you. I mean, eight million. He should be kissing my feet, massaging them with oil, but he's not. You know, he should be thanking me for this. This life-changing amount of money. It's, it's generational wealth-free family if invested correctly. Um, but he's not. He's all upset about it. So I'll give him something to be upset about, really, on the April uh, 23rd because you're going to see a very, very mean, determined, heavy, giant behemoth of a destroyer on April the 23rd. And I'm going to cut Dylan White down like a hot knife through butter. So at the press conference, you kind of hinted like you're you're reaching the end of the road. And then afterwards in the yeah. interviews, you said it rather definitively, <laughs> this is your last fight. Can, can you clear this up for us? Is this fight on yeah. April 23rd your final fight? This is the final countdown of the Gypsy King. Hollywood awaits. This is your retirement fight? This is my retirement fight. 100,000 people at Wembley. All British... World title fight, return of the Mac after four years, back to the UK. This is it, going out on a high. Retiring on top, two-time world heavyweight champion, and I've made eight defences of the lineal championship. Never to lose a fight. To go down as only the second heavyweight in history to ever retire unbeaten. Me and Rocky Marciano. Does it get any better than that? The lineal heavyweight champion of the world! <laughs> it doesn't, but but why? Why would you do this? There's so much money. There's so many more fights out there for I already have a lot of money. Yeah. This will notch me up to $150 million clear cut in the bank. Do I need any more money than that? Am I going to spend that money? I don't think so. Right. Am I stupid? I don't think so. Do I waste money? Hell no. I could live on 10% of that for the rest of my life. Not a problem. So to, to give these other guys an opportunity in taking everything that I've ever worked for to enhance my career for some more money, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, you know what people say. In boxing, people retire, they come back. How definitive is this? This done. This is the final countdown. Not unless, you can never say never. You know, <laughs> if I'm away for five or ten years, right. and then I um, I know I can come back at any time and retire all the bums out there like I did before, then I'll do it if the money's right. But, you know, until that moment, I'll be just here in Morecambe Bay, getting a cold tan, freeze tan, and um, that's it. So, Usyk, Joshua, none of these guys, like, that, that doesn't interest you at all? Nah, they're all bums, and they've done nothing. They've done nothing apart from once come up from Cruiserweight and beat a bodybuilder, and the bodybuilder cost us all a ton of money because I was going to stiff Philly's there, stiff ass full of punches. Me! And I know he's lost and he's been knocked out and he's been beaten twice. And if he fights Usek again, he'll get beat again. But it doesn't even look like Usek and him's going to fight anytime soon because of the conflict that's going on. And that, that's, that's messed up that. So I'm, I'm quite happy that I didn't sign to fight Usek because I wouldn't be fighting in April the 23rd. So, yeah, it's all worked out really good for me. And I've got bigger fish to fry than boxing. I've got a wife. I've got six kids. Um, I've got uh, a lot of stuff that I want to achieve in my life, and I need my faculties to do that. 
And I need to be able to talk when I'm doing all these movies and TV shows and everything. You know, you know how we do. I know how you do. <laughs> I know how you do, my friend. But uh, I would be remiss if I then don't ask you the question that I think all the MMA fans want to know the answer to. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What I don't class that as a real boxing fight. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that one doesn't count. No, because that's not a boxing fight. That's going to be a special fight. Okay. Now that will be in, in, a, in a cage in four-ounce gloves. And that's you and Francis in Ngannou. In Las Vegas at the Raiders Stadium. You and Francis Ngannou. Yes. Have you been following his story with the UFC? Yes, I hear he's in a bit of trouble and he's got a bit of beef going on with the UFC and he's sitting the season out. So he made... I don't know if you know that he made $650,000 for his last title defense. Title defense, six fifty back in January. Your guy, Dillian White, $8 million. You, $32 million. Does that blow your mind when you hear those numbers, that the heavyweight champion of the UFC is making $650,000? You know what it is? <clears throat> I'm appreciative for every fight purse I ever had. It hasn't always been $30 million, $20 million, $25 million, $32 million for me. That's like... That's mega money. That's unbelievable money, yeah? But I remember where I fought Vladimir Klitschko, 11 years reigning undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, and I got $1.1 million for it. So <clears throat> I've been there. I've, I've boxed for $2,000 before. I boxed Steve Cunningham in a world title eliminator, Michael Buffer, top Madison Square, Square Garden. I, I made $10,000. So I know what it's like to make fuck all for fights. Mm. I've been there plenty of times. So you can never look at what the next man's making. I can't look at somebody else. I can't look at Donald Trump and say, oh, that guy's making hundreds of millions. I want that. I can only make what I'm, I'm capable of making, and I've got to be happy with that. So my father always told me that one pound of my own is worth 50 of somebody else's because I worked for it. So if he's getting $650,000 that he's worked hard for, then fair play. Own it. That's his money. Call dad cash in his pocket. He can't look at what somebody else is making. He can't look what Conor McGregor's making or, or the Gypsy King or anybody else, Floyd Mayweather. He's got to be happy with what he's doing. And his time will come to make some good money. And I will offer him a big purse as well. Of course I will. So he is uh, going under the knife. He's having knee surgery March 14th. And his contract with the UFC is up at the end of this year. Is it possible... You know, he recovers beginning of this year. The timing works out that, you know, first quarter of 2023, we see this fight between you and him in Las Vegas, as you just said. Very possible. Very possible. I will have retired from, from competitive championship uh, boxing, and I'll be ready to do the uh, crossover fights completely. He won't be the UFC heavyweight champion anymore. Right. I won't be the WBC heavyweight champion anymore, but I will still be the lineal heavyweight champion because they can't take that from me because I'm the man who beat the man. Going back to John L. Sullivan, That's 1898, right. standing right here at six foot nine from Henderson, Nevada, USA, <laughs> the Gypsy King. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, but you said fights there in plural, Tyson. You said, so you're looking for a few of these uh, special fights. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what's available. You know, we've got Francis Ngannou. He's a big guy, big dangerous guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd love to see people going, oh, it's not a fair fight in 10-ounce gloves. And I make that be correct. It wouldn't be a fair fight in 10-ounce gloves. Because like Cormier said recently, DC, he said, uh, Francis Ngannou is a much cruder version of Deontay Wilder. And we all know what happened there. Mm -hmm. So I think if we're doing four-ounce gloves, 
then they have a bit more chance of knocking me out. But then again, I have a bit more chance of knocking them out also. So it makes for an exciting fight. And I will try to come in at my heaviest for that for that fight. <laughs> try to come in over 300 pounds. Why? Just to nail him to the canvas with one solid punch. Okay, fair enough. And and why a cage and not a ring? Does it doesn't make it fair. In a boxing ring is my home. It's like fighting a shark in the Atlantic Ocean. Not fair. So I gotta come come out of my comfort zone and do something else what I'm not used to. But to be clear, it would be boxing rules, right? Yeah, it'd be stand-up punching rules. Okay. Wow. Have there been any talks about this yet? Not yet. I've got I've got Dylan White to deal with, and I will never overlook any opponent, even if he's had 20 fights and lost them all. I give all these opponents the respect they deserve because every night, the every time they come to fight me is their world title fight. Mm-hmm. They all want my scalp. And I am not giving it to anybody because I train hard, I dedicate, I sacrifice, I put everything in right so that doesn't happen. So when I get through this fight, which I'm concentrating on, at the moment, we will deal with whatever's going to happen next. Is there any part of you that has to, I know you say you respect him, you don't look past him, but, you know, Dylan White doesn't have the name of Deontay Wilder, right, when you're fighting him. Do you have to psych yourself up? Do you have to motivate yourself? Do you have to find challenges in the opponent? How do you get that kind of confidence and, 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 and excitement and, and preparation and mental say for a fight when the name might not be as big as some of the uh, recent opponents that you fought. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know Dillian from a long time ago, uh, Frilly and White Nick, cause I know him very well. We've sparred many rounds together. I know he's a dangerous opponent and I know if I'm not on my A game and I don't train at all and I, I drink beer every day and vodka, I'll still beat the guy. I know that. Yeah. But I give these guys the respect. I give because I know how hard boxing is, <clears throat> and I know they're going to bring their A game. They're going to come and try and beat me up. So I'm a dedicated man anyway. I, I train, eat, sleep. Training camps is my daily life. I train twice a day, five days a week. Even when I'm not in camp, it gives me something to do. It's my mental health medicine. Um, so I'm always training. So I live this type of life, a dedicated life anyway. So it's nothing new for me to. And to get motivated to, to box in front of 100,000 people at home, there's not much motivation needed for that, surely. Will your brother and the money as well, 32, $32.5 million. So if that's not going to motivate you, I don't know what is. Will your brother Tommy be on the card? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's going to be on the card. He's trying to sort it out now with Frank Warren. Um, and we'll see. Hopefully he's looking for an undefeated fighter to, to fight on the card. And then you've got to try and get it on with um, Jake Paul again next, uh, next after this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because that seems like it could work out. He fights on this card, gets a big W, meets Jake in the summer. What do you think? You think it happens? I think it's a great fight. I think it's a great fight. Well, not a great fight. I think Tommy destroys him, but I think it's a great fight to make. Were you impressed with Jake in December? Um, I was impressed with his knockout. It was a great knockout, but a lot of people have said it was a fixed knockout or whatever. Nah, you don't believe so, that, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to make of it. Come on. I'm not sure if it was a pantomime villain show. No, could have been, could have been choreographed, choreographed knockout. No. But, you know, who knows? We really don't know. But, you know, it was a good knockout. Fair play to him. He can punch. That's for sure. Uh, I have to ask, I was very sad to see the back and forth with you and Conor McGregor. I thought you guys were friends. You were always speaking very highly of each other. What happened? Super Bowl weekend, baby. (laughs) What is that? Super Bowl weekend. It's a time to grab attention when you need it. What are you implying? 
There's, there's no beef between me and Conor McGregor. What beef would he have with me? I don't know. A uh, 150 pound guy in a total different sport. How could he beef with me? It's not even. It's not even a thing. Um, but obviously, he was trying to reach for a bit of fame um, on Super Bowl weekend. It's called Super Bowl weekend fever. Everybody gets it. <laughs> So they know they can make some headlines and they better call out than the Big Mac himself. Okay, so on your end, there's no issues? I've got no, I've got no issues at all. Okay. How could I have an issue? Not possible. Not possible. Uh, just a couple more and I'll let no, you go. she can put on 100 pounds in weight right. and come and fight me. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple more and I'll let you go. Thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no it. problem. You're having fun? Very much so. <laughs> I, I, made, I made the uh, comparison. Remember that famous Ringo Starr uh, video where he's like, don't send me any autographs as of October 20th. Peace and love. I'm not signing anything. Do you remember that famous video? I don't remember. I'm not going to lie to you. No, okay. But I, can, I can imagine what you're going to say. Go on. Your video reminded me of that. Don't bother me. I'm not <laughs> responding. Leave me alone. Why did you feel the need to do that? <laughs> I'm giving this guy all the respect he needs. I'm dedicating my life. I don't need social media. I don't need to do interviews other than the press press conference. And this is the this is it. No one else will be getting this. But I did promise you this uh, interview beforehand, and I'm a man of my word. So there we are. There's no more after this. It's all finito until fight week. And you not like your phone? Like you don't text anyone? You don't communicate? How does that work? How do you like litig- legitimately block everything out? tell you how you do it seriously you get a, you get a phone and you get a new number and you give it to your wife and your people who need you like your, your trainer or or your, your wife or your kids or whatever and that's it you put the phone in the cupboard switch it off and there's no more emails no more phone calls for tickets no more phone calls for people wanting stuff and it's done you just switch off from the world for a couple of months and you enjoy it. i actually enjoy that time i enjoy the time of switching off because it gives me time to reflect on who i am what i want what i fight for and it gives me a time to be me without social media interviews. And it takes me back in time to a time before mobile phones, a time before all the social media stuff. If you go to a restaurant or go out on the date night or whatever you do, look around, everyone's on the mobile phone. Mm. Click, 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 swipe, swipe, swipe. Takes over the world. Have you been doing this your whole career? Um, only for the big fights. Okay. For the big fights. And, and you find that it, it helps. It works. I find it makes me a beast. It makes me a fucking beast, man. <laughs> and it makes me a proper beast because I don't have any sexual intercourse eight weeks before a fight. So I'm like a bull, strong like a bull. Eight weeks, Mickey huh? said, women weak in legs. That's, that's one of the longer ones that I've heard. Why eight weeks? Because it makes me strong like a bull. Okay. And that's something you've been doing your whole career as well? Most of the big fights, yeah. Wow, that is amazing. Um, the, the, the fact that you'll be back home in England makes me think that you are going to do something big for the walkout. The presentation is going to be big. Do you, do you have it planned out already? Have you, have, you, have you thought about what you're going to walk out to, the song, everything? The production is going to be massive for this show. It's a big show, big heavyweight, big event, Wembley Stadium. It's going to be big. Expect something exotic, something... Ecstatic, exciting, all of the above. When you leave, when you say you're going to retire, and by the way, am I insulting you if I say there's a part of me that feels like you'll be drawn back because there's just too much money out there? Is that insulting to say that it's just going to be too hard for you to walk away? The money away? is not an entertaining thing for me, to be fair. Wow. 
That's amazing. I know a lot of people would live and die for money, extra few dollars. But a few bucks to me is just a zero on an account card. Doesn't really. Money don't make a man. And I know that. And I, I, I know people who's got plenty of money. And not one of them's happy. And they're always chasing. And no matter how much money they have, these sports stars, they always go broke at the end of it anyway. So in 10 years, 15 years from now, I want to do an interview with you. And I want to tell you how much money I've got left out of my boxing career. And I want you to look around and see all the guys that were boxing in my era. And I want to see how much money they've got left. Even the ones who made a lot more than me. I want to see how much they've got left in 15 to 10 to 15 years. Because if a man's got 400 million, but has big spending habits, a man who's got 50,000 can, can hold on to it longer than the other man if he invests it right. So all the money in the world is no good to you if you're a thick piece of shit and you've got no brains. Or a small amount of money could last you a long time if invested correctly. And I like to think of myself as somebody who invests mm -hmm. their money quite correctly. Did you learn this? In fast cars and even faster women. <laughs> Shout out to Paris. Uh, did, you, did you learn this from like watching the Mike Tysons of the world blow through their money? Did you tell yourself, I'm not going to be that guy? Do you know what it is? You can never say never because you never know what's around the corner. A lot of these guys didn't just spend it on good times and uh, luxury items. They lost it in court battles. Mm. They lost it in suing cases. They lost it in stuff like that. So, yeah, that's how they lose all these big, um, big, big amounts of money. Um, so I'm determined to just stay sensible, and stay on the straight and narrow, stay off the drugs, stay off the alcohol, and everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. Bad thing, because every little thing going to be all right. I used to there sing that. I used to sing that to my son, my firstborn, to put him to sleep. Yeah. I love that song, Three Little Birds, my favorite song. I'm happy that you just sang that. It really warmed my heart. Um, there you go. I've, I've serenaded you now. You have. I appreciate Would you have ever believed 20 years ago, 32 million for a fight, these kinds of numbers, or ha has this exceeded your own expectations? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very um, thankful, very blessed, and I would never thought of it all in years ago. Um, and I'm open to make a, a double that on the pay-per-view. That's just being honest. Um, because um, all the money in one fight, 50 mil in one night. Wow. You know, I'm all open to, to beat that. Wow. Um, that is amazing. And there's, there's, listen, there's plenty of men who made more money than me. Like I say, come back in 10 years and we'll right. talk about it again. Um, and even if I haven't got nothing in 10 years... I'll still be the same old G, Tyson Fury. <laughs> I love, all these references are great. Uh, wrestling, will you go to wrestling when you're done? Pro wrestling. WWE. Yes, I love to uh, go back to WWE. I'm going to call Vince up and Nick Khan, and I'm going to get the fights on. I love it. And and in conclusion, I know you spoke about this a little bit yesterday, but you know you know the Klitsch goes very well, and I know Usyk is kind of in your orbit to see what they I are. Don't know very well. You don't. They hate me. They hate I haunt their dreams. All oh, right, that's true. Of course true. they do. I ended his eleven-year reign. I called him everything from pig to a bull's foot. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else I could have called the man. <laughs> he hates me, and I don't like him. Okay, fair enough. I was just you curious. Know, uh, what, what he's doing for his country, he mm. should be doing. I have two laws. 
love your woman and fight for your country. And that's it. We all should be fighting for our countries. If the war comes to our countries, guess what? Get out your Uzis and your AKs and fucking get at them. Lay some bitches down. <laughs> well said, Tyson. Uh, April 23rd, you just announced 100,000 tickets sold. If I want to buy tickets right now, I cannot buy tickets. They are gone. All gone. The only tickets you'll be able to buy is after sales. So wow. I got told today that $150 ticket is selling at 1000 Golly, that is unbelievable. Yeah, so they're after sales. The tickets that's available today, now, are aftermarket sales. Wow. So, yeah. But I, Frank Warren did tell me he's going to the council, the, the London council, the mayor of London, to see if he can open the arena up for another three to 5,000 people oh, to break all records ever in the UK, ever. Wow, that would be... Oh, you know what? On Monday, I went on a whole long rant about open scoring because of this Catterall-Taylor fight, and, and it was a total yeah. robbery. And I really do believe yeah. that we should have open scoring, that you guys deserve to know where you stand. If you're about to get screwed over, you should know that you're about to get screwed over so that maybe you could... Try exactly. To that is a very fair comment. Do you very, agree with me? You, would you like to see open scoring? If he knew he was going to get screwed over in the last round, and he was nine rounds down, he could have went to the referee and kicked him straight in the bollocks, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with open scoring? Would you like to see open scoring? I'd love to see open scoring because then it doesn't give you the opportunity to rob a guy, does it? Right. Um, do you know for this fight there will not be one British judge in sight? Really? None. Wow. None. None. Not after the decision they did last weekend. Terrible. Wait, is that is that your call? My call and Frank Warren's call. There will be not one British judge available. Sorry, but I just don't trust them in my career. It's that's horrible. all she wrote. Did you watch that fight? Yeah, I watched the fight, yeah. It was disgusting. I couldn't believe it. And you know yeah. what the saddest part was? You could see it coming a mile away. They're in Scotland. You just know that the guy's about to get screwed. Sad. But it's not the first time it's happened, and it certainly won't be the last time it happens. We know that. Something has to be done about this scoring um, situation. I think the open scoring will be good, but even open scoring will not stop it. Right. Not at all. Because how they see one guy winning, totally winning, when it went the opposite way, I will never know. So something needs to be done, maybe a different judging system or whatever. I'm not sure. All the time that someone's career and life is in the hands of somebody else, there's always an opportunity for skullduggery to go on. But then again, I could say that when I jump on a plane, couldn't I? Because I'm putting my life in somebody else's hands. Mm. Um, so that, that you put your life in someone else's hands all the time. In most things we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm not really sure on how, but something needs to be done. Have a good think about it. I know you're a genius little whiz kid. Thank you. So you can think about it and let me know when you do. And I'll, I'll be the big voice with the big balls to say it. We'll, we'll team up. Prediction, April 23rd? I'm knocking this bitch out. Tyson, I appreciate this very much. BT Sport box office in the UK, pay-per-view here in America, massive April 23rd, Dillian White, Tyson Fury, 100,000 plus potentially at Wembley Stadium. What a Get scene. Get up there, my boy. Ain't no divvies round here, boss. Get up. <laughs> Thank you, Tyson. Really appreciate you doing this and enjoy the, the blackout. God bless everybody. Peace out. There he is, the one and only, the Gypsy King. How about that? They said he had a media blackout. They didn't believe he'd showed up. They all doubted. How about that? That was tremendous. It's really hot in here, by the way. 
Wow, a hundred thousand. Could you imagine? And what about that stuff on uh, Francis Ngannou? How about that? Francis Ngannou special fight, special rules, all that stuff. Crazy. What energy, right? Sweating right now. That was great energy. I felt like I was going through like a. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, it was like a rapid fire session. Singing three little birds, which I actually used to sing to my uh, firstborn, Oliver, back in the day when he was just a little tyke. Don't worry, da 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 da, about a thing, da 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 da, because every little thing. It's going to be all right. That was tremendous. I want to give a special thank you to Evan over at Top Rank for making that happen. Not easy, my friends. Not easy. When Tyson Fury says, media blackout, I'm not doing anything after the press conference, he means it. But he is right. A long time ago, I did reach out, and he kept his word, and I wouldn't have uh, begrudged him had he not kept his word. He had his blackout. It didn't work out yesterday. We don't do a show on Tuesday, but the man came on live and in living color, and that was pretty damn cool. I can't wait. As I've said time and again, boxing is on fire. If you don't care to watch it, that's well within your rights. There's enough MMA for everyone, but you're missing out some really special... I mean, I would imagine if you like MMA, you probably like some elements of boxing. You are missing out on some really special fights going on right now. Uh, this past weekend was great. This weekend is great. There's there's some big fights in April. That one, uh, Ryan Garcia is coming back. Of course, Taylor Serrano. On and on it goes. May, we've got Canelo coming back. Uh, Errol Spence is returning. Cowboy Stadium. I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on in the sport of boxing. Drives me nuts when people say that it's dying. Yo, you think Tyson Fury, who's uh, making $32 million, thinks that it's dying? You think Dillian White, who's making $8 million, thinks that it's dying? It's not dying. Come on, guys. It's not dying. Um, all right. Uh, a little more chatter from the boxing world to come. Eddie Hearn to join us in the third hour. Saul Canelo Alvarez, the other face. I would argue that there is two faces of boxing right now. I'd say the two most famous boxers on the planet. Is that a crazy statement? Canelo and uh, Tyson? Maybe Jake Paul third. Just kidding. Just kidding. Canelo. Tyson, I would say those are the two biggest faces in boxing right now. Would would you guys agree with that? You know, you obviously have Terrence Crawford. You have uh, Errol Spence out there. Um, there's a lot of great fighters. Better Biev is out there. You've got all the 135ers doing their thing. You've got uh, Haney and Lomachenko and, 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 and Tank Davis. I mean, there's just a ton. Triple G is still out there doing his thing. Might even fight Canelo later this year. But I would say those are the two biggest faces of boxing right now. So we got one in the books, and uh, we shall talk to another in a minute. Well, not in a minute. In the third hour. Let me, uh, let me read this here from... All right, so that's still to come, and GC's picks still to come as well. So spread the word. First time ever, Saul Canelo Arvelez on the program. Uh, Eddie Hearn on the program. But again, thank you very much to Top Rank and to Tyson Fury for making that happen. That was really cool. Again, 100,000 is a freaking large number, my friends. I had 80,000 here. That's tremendous. He says 100. That's incredible. 
All right. Uh, in the meantime, so we'll get to them at some point. Joe's going to let me know. Uh, they're doing a bunch of stuff over there in uh, San Diego. They got uh, Chocolatito fighting on on DAZN. Um, so he might pop up in the middle of On the Nose. But for now, let's answer some questions. How about that? Spread the word. Tell one and all. We shall answer some questions. There's 120 here. Oh, wait. Before we answer the questions... Yes. It's time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived to hear from the man himself, Ariel Helwani. Live from the Box Studios in beautiful New York City, it's On The Nose. And now, to answer your questions, get out of your seats and on your feet, because here he is, Ariel Helwani. Oh, by the way, to everyone who said, Oh, Aria, what do you know about open scoring? You just had Tyson Fury say that he'd be down with open scoring. He also said no British judges. That's a different story. But, oh, uh, don't listen to me. Listen to Tyson Fury. Is that good enough for you, Sean Sheehan? Is that good enough for you, anonymous judge? I'd say so. Oh, but they can't handle the pressure. They will crumble and they will all run away from the sport if there's open scoring. Why? Because you're afraid of accountability? Because you're afraid of people calling you out? Come on. Oh, they will all crumble under the pressure. You just had Tyson Fury say, he's down. That's good enough for me. Um... <laughs> Uh, why, why, why do I have to? No, I'm not going to. Uh, all right, here we go. On the nose. Answer some questions. Oh, oh, we actually, we have two. Yeah. There's actually two breaking news. Uh, that was the first one to let you know that El Cubano isn't first, but there's actually even a better one, which is to let... To let you know that we have a new little element to this. There it is. Now, is it getting a little lost in the show? I mean, GC, how long did you work on this thing? This is incredible. This is some of the uh, best. Too long that I'd like to admit. Really? Like, what are we talking? A couple hours? A couple days? A uh, week? A couple, couple hours. It was, you know. Now, what happens? Every time I answer a question, the number's going to go up. The number will go up by one every time you answer a question. Let's test it out. So, uh, El Cubano is in first. Antonio Lemos. And by the way, thank you for doing this. I love this. So I guess now that I'm answering the question, it should go up to one. Or does it go up to one only when I finish answering? Interesting. I guess you just answered that yourself, so you just got one there. Okay. You might be on to something. It's getting a little lost. I might have to change the color up on the text. Yeah. I want to take a couple more hours. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, Ariel, we all heard what Dana said about Connor possibly receiving a title shot upon his return. I know we've seen fighters get a shot after a loss, but have we ever seen a fighter get a shot after three straight losses in the division? Rank number nine, blah, blah, blah. I just say chill out, guys. Just chill out. They do. This is headlines. This is chatter. Just chill out. Is he getting the title shot in May? No. Chill out, all right? Chill out. Let's just see how it plays out, all right? He said he was getting a title shot after Cerrone. It didn't happen. Don't forget these things. Chill out. Um, hey, Ariel, I noticed... Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I noticed Colby hasn't been on your show in a while and is constantly talking bad about MMA media. Is he? I don't know. Is he? 
I'm not watching. Is there any chance he'll be on the show soon? I don't think so. Colby is mad at me because after the Tyron Woodley fight, and you remember he did all that stuff with Usman, I was on my show with DC, and I, th- I said I thought it went too far. And he's mad at me now. He's calling me woke and all this stuff. I was like, yo, man, like the stuff went too far. And by the way, if you're a heel, you should be able to take that. And come on the show and tell me why you think I'm wrong about that. But again, I'll repeat for maybe the 1,000th time on this. I always have a hard time saying 1,000th. I can't do it. 1,000th. I can't do it. I just literally can't do that. 1,000th. I don't know how to do it. Can you do it, Frank? 1,000th. It just doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? 1,000th. I can't do it. The TH is at the end. Yeah. 1,000th time. Is that right? Doesn't sound right to I me. I legit do not know. One thousandth time. That's the problem. It's the DTH. There's no other word that has the DTH at the end. Anyway, for the one hundredth time, um, I had to go to battle for that guy so many times at ESPN. So many times. Don't wear the hat. I say no. Shoot, you know, under the hat. I say no. Um, Fleet Week video that we did on him and the troops. No one wanted to do that. Push for it. Push for it. Hey, there's a different side to this guy. Let's show the different side. Let's show the the juxtaposition of the two personalities. And then I say one negative thing about the dude. And it wasn't even negative. It was a criticism. Oh, you're done. Oh, you're woke. You're this. Come on. Like, give me a break, bud. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's going around talking smack about media and all this stuff. The truth is probably that I'm not at ESPN anymore. So he goes to the next guy there and he thinks like, oh, okay, I don't need this dude anymore. I don't need to kiss up to him anymore. So, you know, I'll still be... Meanwhile, he was talking smack about everyone who was there. When I was there, I leave, you know, you need that you need that ESPN rub because you're trying to get the pay-per-view points and you can you can crap on people like me. That's fine. I'm totally okay with it. But if you're asking me for the 100th time why he's not on the show, it's his prerogative. I've asked him to come on. I have no problem saying that. I've asked him to come on uh, relatively recently as well. Hey, man, come on and tell me why you don't like me. Come on and tell me why you're mad at me. No, woke. All right. Okay, bud. God bless. Uh, Nico. And then, of course, someone's going to clip this off and be like, oh, Ariel's mad. Couldn't give two shits. Couldn't give two shits. Tyson Fury on the show, Canelo, sign me up. Sign me up. Before I get to my question, I want to give a big shout out to the people of Ukraine. From global superstars joining the front lines to everyday citizens staring down the barrel in defiance of the invader, the incredible courage, resilience, and determination of the Ukrainians is nothing short of awe-inspiring and a true testament to their fighting spirit. My thoughts and prayers are with them. My question is about fighters showing unexpected savvy in dealing with the UFC brass. In your opinion, which fighter doesn't get the credit they deserve for their intelligence and strategic mind in dealing with the UFC? First one would be Nathan Diaz. And apparently that's Nico's as well. My pick would be Nate, who in the lead up to 244 brilliantly turned the tables on the UFC and forced them to publicly clear his name of any alleged steroid use. That was pretty amazing. I mean, literally like within a day. Or lose out on the biggest event of the year with mere days and uh, no replacement inside. Yeah, Nate would be the first one. Masvidal would be up there as well. Remember, Masvidal was at odds with the UFC uh, in the summer of uh, 2020. It looked like he'd be, I mean, he was on ESPN talking about fighter pay. And then Gilbert, you know, uh, test positive for COVID and then they need him and he's getting all this this money and all these opportunities. So um, those two guys actually would be at the top. Connor, of course. You know, it's the big dogs. They know what they're doing. Izzy. El Cubano, like fourth on the list. Wow. 
I think it's I think that's breaking news worthy. I mean fourth on the list. This weekend's main event of Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal is filled with all types of personal beefs and drama. Flying under the radar of that drama is the very personal feud that has been going on for years between Marina Moroz and Maria Agapova. Which fight is more likely to end with a hug or a handshake? I, I, I definitely uh, agree with Dan Lambert when he says that the Covington Masvidal fight isn't going to end with a hug or a handshake. Don't know about Moroz and Agapova. If I had to pick... One, I'll go with that one. Hugo, Mr. Helwani, you have interviewed the who's who of wrestling, boxing, and MMA. Thank you. Who's one fighter entertainer you were legitimately starstruck on meeting, interviewing? During the fall of 2021, I met El Gran Campeon, Julio Cesar Chavez. Not junior, senior. He also signed my mitts. So if you ever get Helwani boxing up and going again, what do you mean up and going again? We've been here. For years, I'd be more than down to work mitts with you. Oh, thank you. Hawani Boxing and Sotelo Boxing. Thanks, Ariel. P.S. I liked how you put that Benedict Arnold, Henry Cejudo in his place when you said he had to ask for permission from his daddy to come on. Arriba, Hilwani. Yeah. Arriba. Viva la raza. Uh, Starstruck? Haven't been too many. Um... I remember when I was in front of BJ Penn the first time, I was like, wow, this is BJ Penn. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's usually like the first, like even now, that's Tyson Fury and I'm not starstruck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative and, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this guy's a really huge deal. And you're just kind of sitting and talking with him. But I can't really say, you know, doing the NBA stuff, I was like, wow, here I am talking to Kawhi Leonard. He just got a triple double for the first time in his career and I'm on the court with him. Kind of like starstruck by the moment, in awe of the moment, but not so much the person, if that makes sense. Shalom, was Sal Diamato, the judge, this is from Trey, that messaged you during the show on Monday. Talk about a guy that wouldn't want to show his live score. Sheesh, it wasn't Sal. Also, please tell Frank you're sorry for giving him a hard time for the extra breaking news sound bite on Monday. Frank is a saint and only has a perfect timing with that bite. Who is right? Is this you, Frank, Trey? I don't have to answer that. Wow, this is interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Trey's in uh, in your corner, Frank. Nick, Ariel, do you watch the Embedded series and can fighters say no to being on it? I think it's kind of part of the promotional deal. Uh, I'm just going to be 100% honest. Honest. And it's not like I'm going out of my way. I can't remember the last time I watched Embedded. Cannot remember. And maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe I'm not doing you know enough research. I'm not doing my due diligence. I cannot legitimately, legit or legitimately, we had a debate about this before the show. Frank says I say legit too much. He says I speak like a 16-year-old. You said this, yes? Yeah, I sure did. Uh, in this case, I cannot legitimately or legit say that I have watched Embedded in the last two years. Which one would be correct? Legitimately. Yeah, I thought so. Um, yeah. No particular reason. I'm not trying to like boycott. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I felt it wasn't really worth watching anymore. I don't know why. Uh, Newman. Hello, Ariel. Hello, Newman. I echo everything Nico Suave said about the people of Ukraine. Truly inspiring. Respect. Also, shout out to Killashaw. Respect. We'll see if he pops up. My question is, how does the UFC determine the order the order of a fight card? I feel like they could do a better job of putting a spotlight on their up-and-coming stars by showcasing them on a main card. I, there's there's not a lot of rhyme or reason, to be honest. 
We need less Greg Hardy and Caitlin Chukagian on main cards and more future stars. Um, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with Caitlin. You know, there's some um, thought like who will headline the prelims and who's going to be co-main main. Um, but honestly, like they'll put some of those bigger names on the prelims to build up to the main card. There's no real science behind it. Lewis, my man, afternoon, Ariel. Today's question is a simple one. When it comes to interviews, do you prefer asking why or how? Much love, Lewis. Golly. Why, probably. I would say why. Why did you do this? I mean, how is a great one too, but I think why is the more interesting one, if I had to pick one, another great one. Uh, Trug. Hola, Ariel. My only question for you is, is there really is there really nothing a double leg can't fix? Uh, I mean, fix a lot of things. Thank you for your time, your response, and all the great work you do. Also, shout out to P.F. Chang's Intelligence. Shout out to the homeless cats. Uh, Stefan, hello, Mr. Helwani. Why are we just ignoring Justin Gaethje and acting like the fight against Charles isn't even on the table anymore? Does he not exist or something? I agree. Islam's path has obviously changed drastically. No hate towards him. But why did it seem like um, almost predetermined that if he won against Green or Darius or anyone, he would automatically be the number one contender over Gaethje? I don't agree with that. I think everyone was saying like, hey, if Islam wins this fight, he'll fight the winner of Gaethje versus Oliveira. And that's what we're getting. All love from Central PA. Respect. Arash. Hi, Ariel. Any inside news on why Islam versus RDA didn't happen? Looks more like it was on the UFC's part that it didn't come to fruition. Like I said, there is a chance that the UFC said, you know what, we're not going to entertain this. But then if so, why is Islam saying that RDA, you know, fumbled the bag? Why do you say that? That wasn't very nice. And it's also not true because he didn't. My feeling on it, and again, I always feel like I have to preface, especially with those guys, like you got to preface that you've been praising them nine times out of 10. But in this case, I feel like RDA called his bluff. And you know what? I don't blame him for not wanting to fight a week later. Just don't say it initially. Don't play the game of saying, I want to fight at 170. And then he goes 165. And then he says, oh, you're going to run away. And then he finally says 170 five minutes later. And then it's like, nah, it's not happening. What was that all about? Come on, guys. Let's be honest here. Any updates on, on when Rose returns? Uh, not yet, but hopefully by the summer. Do you think it's impressive to go undefeated as a striker or a grappler? For example, is Izzy's 185 reign more impressive than Khabib's reign because he did it all via striking? Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. I, I think it is more impressive to go undefeated as a striker than a grappler because you could be taken down. If you're a guy who doesn't have any grappling, right? If you're just a striker. Now, Izzy has evolved a lot in the grappling um, department. But yes, I think that that is a fair thing to say. Will, can you compare Colby Covington's Brazil promo to any great pro wrestler's promo that catapulted or saved their career? Well, some people don't actually think that that was a great promo. Some people don't like it. Um, wrestler's promo. I mean, there have been some great pro wrestling promos, not one that I think... If the story is true that he was hanging on by a thread and he was about to get cut, 
I mean, obviously there's like the CM Punk promo, there's the NWO promo, um, there's the Shawn Michaels stuff back in the day, but not one that like the dude was about to get cut and then he cuts his promo. Because again, it's different, right? Like they're writing that stuff for them. They're putting them in that position. Colby kind of just took advantage of the moment. He won. He's in Brazil. It worked. Hi, Ariel. Australian fan here. Shouted at you from behind the barrier at UFC 193 Open Workouts in Melbourne. Wow. It has been a while since you have traveled to any overseas events or had to deal with the unruly Australians. Do you have any favorite cities or memorable moments from overseas MMA travels? Yes. Was Holly knocking out Ronda the loudest crowd reaction you have ever heard? Not even close. I actually thought that that crowd was uh, a little quiet. It was a Sunday morning. It was a cavernous stadium. Um, Yeah, I didn't... uh, I didn't think that that was like a particularly great or hostile or loud crowd at all. Um, Actually, Casey, longtime videographer, who, by the way, is going to have his uh, amateur MMA debut March 19th. I wish him the best. Um, Was reminiscing yesterday about UFC 144. UFC 144, one of my favorite events. Uh, We were in Japan. We went to a pro wrestling event. Um, We went to the uh, Tsukiji Fish Market. That was amazing. Um, That's one of my favorite events, without a doubt. I love that that event overseas. I mean, Abu Dhabi was great. UFC 112. Um, UFC 127 in Sydney was one of my favorites as well. I remember we went to the beach. Everyone's surfing over there. We went to the zoo. We did a little rugby. Um, yeah, the overseas events were great. And uh, it's always very special. Getting to go to UFC 120 in England was great. They had the Fan Expo there. Obviously, the Dublin card was great. UFC 134 in Brazil and Rio was very special. Getting to go to Rio for the first time, getting to go to Brazil for the first time was super cool. Um, Anywhere in Canada was great. Getting to go to Vancouver was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, all of those. I definitely miss getting to see some of those places. Like, I'm not... I loved it. I loved it. It was amazing. And I hope to go back. I don't think that my my days of, of traveling are over. It's just a little more scattered these days. It's so hard for me to read without my glasses, but I'm going to try here. Uh, Someone who is Jewish, have you seen the movie The Pianist? Yes. If not, I would recommend you to do so. Yes, I have seen it, and uh, it was amazing. Hey, Ariel, hope you're well. Do you think if Colby had had paid the striking coach, Paulino Hernandez, in full, him and Jorge would have remained friends and never fought, or do you think Jorge was looking for a reason to cut his friendship with Colby? Only really a question that Jorge can answer, but it felt like it was inevitable. Once Colby saw the way things were going and the reaction he was getting, it feels like it was inevitable. Try this one on for size. Covington wins, cuts a promo, end of the fight, calling out the Notorious, fights Connor 170 in July. July part, no chance. The other part, I mean, anything goes, but yeah. I, I mean, golly, didn't really think of that, but... I could see it happening. The one thing you have to say about Colby, he comes from the Chael Sonnen school of promotion. He's always got that next one. He, he plants a seed. Even when he lost to Usman, he was already talking about Masvidal. So I'm sure he has the next one already planned in his mind. Hey, Ariel, I can confirm you did butcher the pronunciation of hello in Irish, but it's okay. In a game of F, Mary kill, who are you picking between Brendan Schaub, Dana White, and Dylan Dennis? I mean, what? Stupid question. That's just a bad question. You could take, can we go backwards on the question counter? 
Or does it only go up? Oh, now we went to, to zero. I guess we can go back up. Oh, could we go like minus one? Does that work, GC? You're really asking for a lot here. Oh, boom. Nailed it. Uh, yeah, that guy doesn't deserve to be on the counter. Uh, Adam, first, Ariel, do you think Nasrat Hakparas and Kelvin Gaslam are long-lost twins? No. Secondly, everyone knows about the UFC pay for fighters or lack thereof. How does a company like Beltor compare to the UFC with their pay? I love when people bring this up. What about Beltor? You know Beltor makes a hell of a lot less money than the UFC, right? And oh, by the way, like for the guys like Gegard and Ryan Bader, they actually have to overpay for people to get them to come over. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a thing where it's like the lower lower class, the entry level UFC is higher, mid tier. Obviously, there's a lot more in the UFC, but mid tier, I would say UFC is higher, and obviously the top tier UFC is higher. But they're also making a hell of a lot more money. Like they're making, you know, sometimes thirty million dollars an event. There's no Bellator event that's making that kind of money. Five million dollar gate. There's no Bellator event that's making that. So it's it's apples to oranges. But I will say for some of these guys that they've had to bring over, they've had to overpay. There's no doubt about that. Thirdly, just finished The Wire. The saddest part about it was seeing young Duquan shoot up heroin at the end and becoming the new bubble's thoughts. I've never seen a second of The Wire, believe it or not. Frank, have you seen The Wire? I watched the first couple episodes of the first season. Yeah. It's pretty good, but I, I don't know why you're being asked about it. Yeah, it's weird. I get asked a lot of weird things. Uh, Tom, morning, Ariel. Is the Maswell Covington press conference the most anticipated since McGregor Khabib? No, I think it's going to, I actually think it's going to be somewhat cringy. I mean, the combination of like, oh, you know, the lines, the, the get up, and then the sure to be great media questions is going to make it fantastic. Hardly watch those these days, too. Uh, who'd have, who would have, the biggest contract if they were fighting the UFC right now in their prime. Shamrock, Rutan, Randleman, Fry, or Severin. Wow. That's a good one. Um, I'll go Shamrock. I'm assuming you're going with Ken? Maybe Frank? Either way, they knew to self-fight. Randleman, too. I mean, Boss, too. Fry, too. I mean, they're all great, but I'll say Shamrock. Hey, Ariel. How would you match make slash fix the log jam at the top of the heavyweight division if we're up to you? Is there really a log jam? I mean, so like I said, Francis is having surgery March 14th. Hope it all goes well. They might have to institute a uh, an interim belt, right? Let me see here. No word on Stipe yet. You got Stipe, you got Surreal gone. By the way, I wouldn't hate seeing Stipe versus Cyril Gunn, but Cyril told us he's going to be out till the end of the summer. I don't think Stipe cares about that. There's the John Jones situation. Okay, perfect. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Let's say Francis isn't going to fight for the rest of the year, right? I would love to see Stipe versus John Jones. And... You got, you know, you got Volkov and Aspinall. Stipe, John Jones, Gan versus Aspinall, if Aspinall wins. Tuivasa Blades? If Blades beats Stockus. Is that a bad matchup for, for Tuivasa, though? I mean, eventually he's going to have to fight a wrestler guy. But yeah, that's, what, that's the way I would go. And then Francis 
we'll see what happens with him. Maybe he fights Tyson Fury next year. Oh, this is a great question. Adam, good afternoon, Ariel. Coffee or tea? Have a good day. Wow, what a great question. Um, so I would say that I really love coffee. Like, I really love it. Really love it. But I've been having these weird headaches. I've been reading about it. Having, like, weird stomach issues. And I sort of feel like I should stop drinking coffee. And I decided today, every day before the show, every morning I have a coffee. Today I didn't have it. And uh, I'm trying to see how long I could go. But I'm actually kind of bummed about it because I love coffee. I love everything about coffee. I love the way it tastes. I love the way it makes you feel, for the most part. Um, I always wanted to own a coffee shop. I'm just trying it out. If I had to pick between one or the other, like a nice cappuccino with good almond milk, not the... There's nothing worse than the wrong almond milk in a cappuccino. If you get the wrong almond milk in a, in a cappuccino, it tastes like burnt styrofoam. You got to get the good almond milk. You got to get like the barista kind. Oat milk, good too. Uh, but if you get the right kind of almond milk, like that's the, the goat. In a cappuccino on a nice cold day, hot. I don't like cold. Um, I mean, it's just that's, that's what makes life worth living, if, if you ask me. Tea's nice, and I'll have it quite often. Green tea, chamomile. Um, I don't like any milk in the tea. It doesn't give me the same kind of, you know, je ne sais quoi that, that I get from the, uh, the coffee, but I don't know. These headaches are not very fun. I could be wrong, but you kind of have to, you know, play around and see what's up. Uh, it could just be this light that's blaring on my face that, you know, is blinding me. It could be that as well. Uh, Odette. Hi, Ariel. Do you think that there's a chance that the situation in Europe might prevent Russian fighters from fighting in the U.S. or other countries in the foreseeable future? Russian teams have been suspended from EuroLeague. Russia might not be able to play in the FIFA World Cup. Yeah, I mean, this is something that they're going to have to deal with. It doesn't look like it's going to affect this weekend's card. It is going to get interesting with uh, the U.K. card. Boris Johnson saying that, you know, they're not going to let people from uh, Russia come over, compete, so, yeah, this could be a thing. And especially if it keeps getting worse, it could definitely be a thing for sure. Uh, Grant Dixon. And, and it's a weird thing, right? Because they have nothing to do with it, but this is what happens in war. How often as a percentage do your guests pre-interview ask you to avoid certain subjects, whatever they may be? Same question for your YouTube interviews. I would say, honestly, 0%. Now, it could be like 0.001, but... Can't remember the last time that happened. Truthfully, on my life. Derek, I've been a fan of your work and followed your programming for a long time. You are the best source for identifying and following the underlying storylines behind the fighters. Thank you. To that point, outside of your work, it is very hard to pick up on the storylines, especially when it relates to relatively unknown fighters. For that reason, I've always enjoyed watching Tough. I'm fully aware that not all seasons are major hits. But generally... I can at least find one or two fighters or storylines that I end up getting behind, such as Brandon Moreno, to follow their career from tough to being a champion is amazing. Where's the question? Um, I'd really appreciate your take on if there are any rival coaches or programming changes that would make you support tough. I mean, it could change if it's not the same type of format where it's like, Oh, these, so my response would be like, oh yeah, I don't need them living in the same house. I don't need them all training at the same place. I don't need the coaches. I don't need any of that. What I ultimately care about most is, 
are there fighters worth watching? Are there young studs worth watching, up-and-coming stars worth watching and caring about, right? And they could train at home and they could come together and then they could fight and then they can see who's the better fighter. And essentially what I'm talking about is contender series. And that's what kind of drives me a little bit bonkers about all this. Like we have the evolution of tough. They found it. Congrats. Muzzle tov. They found the evolution of tough. And then they brought back tough. To me, contender series is the evolution of tough. It's live. Remember they tried to do live. It didn't work out. It was too long. It's the evolution of tough. And yet they still brought back tough. And now tough is super watered down. It's about the talent. Why were those early seasons so great? Why was Tough Five so freaking great with, 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 with Nathan Diaz and Manny Gamburian and Rob Emerson and all these dudes? Because of the talent. The talent made it great. There just isn't enough talent. There's too many shows. There's too many fighters on the roster. There's, uh, there, there's, there's, there's Contender Series. There's Tough. There's Bellator. There's PFL. There's 43 events. It's not the same. Things change. Jose, hola, Ariel. Saludos. I want to know from the GOAT himself, how anxious are you for this weekend's pay-per-view? I got to say, this is one of the biggest rivalries. I'm not anxious at all. Why would I be anxious? Up there with DC Jones, Chael Jones. Nah. Not, I mean, Chael Jones, this is bigger than Chael Jones, in my opinion. Um, also, a hot take for you. I say this year provides the best fights in combat history. We're off to a very strong start, and I believe we get the fights we've so desperately been asking for. Okay. I mean, I don't get anxious per se um i get excited i get pumped up but i don't get anxious i do agree with you we are very spoiled i don't think people realize just how spoiled we are when it comes to these fights i mean it's literally every weekend there's at least one big fight to watch and guess what guess what my friends we'll put a pin on on the nose you can get rid of the counter we'll get back to some of the questions later on but now speaking of big fights to come speaking of big moments to come speaking of dates that you want to circle on your calendar may 7th back in las vegas the pound for pound best boxer on the planet returns He's now back with Matchroom. He's now back with the zone. What a huge honor. What a huge privilege it is to say hello once again to, wow, Canelo Alvarez. Saul Canelo Alvarez. Wow. Hola, amigo. How, How are, are you, you, my friend? I'm very good. You? Wow. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a huge honor for us I to bet. have you on the show. Uh, pay-per-view, May 7th, DAZN, Matchroom, you versus Dimitri Bivol. This is a very big deal. This is a big deal that you'd come on our show. So thank you very much for the time. No, thank you. It's a pleasure. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about, Canelo. Can I ask you first things first? Ultimately, why did you decide to go back to DAZN and Matchroom? You were able to go anywhere you wanted. Why did you make this decision? I love work with uh, with Eddie. I love uh, working with Eddie Hens and and... I'm glad to be back with him. I I really enjoy it. 175 this fight is taking place at, right? Yeah. Why are you fighting at 175? You were talking about maybe even going a little bit higher. Ultimately, you decided 175. Why 175? Well, Eddie, Eddie, my my manager and trainer wants to want me to fight in 175 with Dimitri Vivol, so I just do it. And that's it. He, you do exactly what he that's tells it. you to do. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> if he would have said fight at heavyweight, you fight at heavyweight? Of course. 
Yeah. You know, historically, we have seen people go up and down. And sometimes, you know, the most famous one was Roy Jones, right? He went all the way to heavyweight. And then afterwards, it was hard for him to get back on track. Does that ever concern you with the amount of times that you are going up and down? Uh, not really. Uh, my body adapt, uh, is uh, adapting in all the ways. I can do uh, 168, 175, 200. I don't care. By the time your career is over, how high do you think you'll go? What will be the heaviest weight that you'll fight at? I can't tell. I can't tell because Eddie, uh, Eddie Reynoso always tell me 175. Or this this time he went, we went to uh, cruiserweight. So I don't. I don't really don't. I don't. I don't really don't care. So I don't care. I fight uh, uh, in any division. Do you have a favorite weight? 168. 168 is the one you're most comfortable in. Yeah. Uh, the decision to go with Dimitri Bivol, you could have, again, chosen a bunch of people. I know Benavides was out there. Charlo was out there. Uh, some people, you know, down the line, maybe better BF. Why did you ultimately decide to go with Dimitri as your next opponent? Oh, Dimitri Bivol is a, is a really good fighter. He's a champion in 175. Uh, he's the second uh, in the division. So, I really love challenge, so that's why. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Canel? You know, we cover a lot of MMA here. Are you a fan of MMA? Do you like MMA? Not really. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Why don't you like yeah. it? I don't. I don't watch boxing either. So, it's amazing. You don't watch any boxing, right? No. Not even like a single like. There's no one out there that you say, you know what? Saturday night. Important fights from oh, the fighters is in the gym. Yes. What what gives you more joy to watch, or even to like golf? I was gonna say golf or boxing, uh, <laughs> even to compete. Like if I tell you right now we could go to Pebble Beach and go eighteen holes, or you could go to the gym and train. What would you have more fun doing? To the gym and train. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you love golf so much? I don't know. I love golf. I don't know why, but I love, and I hate sometimes, but. <laughs> Who introduced you to it? One of my friends in Mexico. One of your friends in Mexico. And 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 what is your like yeah. ultimate goal with golf? How far do you think you could go with it? Uh handicap zero. What are you at now? That's my goal. Uh around nine, ten. Nine ten. Wow, good for you. But I was gonna ask you, two years ago you were sitting in the back when they let the UFC event go on, and there's that meme of you lying down and you were kind of like bored. You're like, what is going on here? Remember when they had to delay your fight with Kovalev? Yeah. What was going on in your mind when you were waiting for the other guys to finish? I'm just really mad. Really mad with Eddie Hearns and and this on, but it is what it is. Never again? Never again. Okay. I hope so. Yes, I hope so as well. You deserve you deserve better than that. Now, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, you know, it's going back and forth, but I just wanted to get your final comments on it. Uh, the stuff with Ryan Garcia, are you disappointed that the relationship has evolved to where it's become, you know, now it's like a back and forth between him and your coach, Eddie Reynoso, your manager. It seems like they had the breakup. How do you feel about the where, where things stand between you and Ryan? I think it doesn't uh, make sense uh, talking about Ryan. So You don't want to talk about I don't about care. Him. Fair I enough. wish all the best for him. All the best for him. Uh, the UFC welterweight champion is a guy named Kamara Usman. He says he wants to fight you. Would you ever entertain pay, pay. this? Pay, payday. Payday. That's <laughs> the payday. I know. But maybe. Maybe. Why not? 
you never say no, right? Yeah. Has anyone approached you about this idea? Uh, my trainer told me about it. And I say, well, if you say. But it's not something really on your mind. No, it's not really in my mind. I want a really good legacy for my career. And then we can talk about it, other things, right? Later. Is, is there one fight before your career is done that you really want, that you must have? Not really. I I am fighting the fights I want right now. And are you still going to retire at 37? Is that still the goal? That's a goal, but uh, we don't know. Okay. Uh, can I ask you one last thing? One last question. I've been talking about open scoring a lot. Uh, Tyson Fury was just on the show. We were talking to him about it. You know what I mean when I say open scoring? Basically, you know what the round was scored after every round. Like in golf, like you know what where you stand. We, you know, because last weekend we saw the robbery with uh, Catterall and Taylor, where at the end of the fight, you're like, you think one guy won and the other guy is like, what the hell? Would you be in favor of that, knowing what the score is after every round so you know where you stand come the end of the fight? Yeah. And in every round, we know where, where we're at. So you would like that? Yeah, I like that. Okay. All right. We'll run with it together. Congratulations on your deal. $160 million. You know you're going to make more than the entire UFC roster in one fight? You know that, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're doing well. You're doing well, Canelo. Good luck to you on May 7th. How do you win on May 7th? Yeah? How do you win? I don't know, but I, I, I went to, to win by knockout. Yeah. For sure. Well, you're doing incredible. But, uh, you don't know. You, you never know. But I, I'm going to put all my best in the ring and do a great fight for the people. Uh, pleasure to meet you, my friend. Gracias. Thank you very much. Good luck to you on May 7th. Pay-per-view in America here. DAZN pay-per-view matchroom boxing. Thank you so much, Canelo. Gracias. Gracias. All right, there he is. Saul Canelo Alvarez. Like I told you, short amount of time. Uh, a quick one. Again, you know, under the gun over here. But, uh, you know, that's two now, by the way. I don't know. Could we get a counter for the amount of people that are in favor of open scoring? That's two now. Yeah, but you know what? What do they know about open score? What do they know about fighting? Ready, those guys? I mean, like, let's think about the feelings of the judges. What do they know about it? Saul Canelo Alvarez. All right, so we got him. That was a quick one. We still getting Eddie? That's the plan, right, Joe? Yep. Is he coming? What's the... Uh... New York Rick is telling me to stop dunking on people. But I mean, like I had to, you know, what, don't, you know, don't listen to me. Let's, you know, let's ask the experts. What's wrong with that? I keep, I've, I've hit the mic like 10 times today. It's understandable. I'm sweating here. I mean, it's like coming in. We got Canelo. We got Tyson Fury. I told you this would be a memorable day. Got Logan Paul on Monday. Uh, someone on the uh, the YouTube chat says that Canelo was annoyed at me. I don't think he was annoyed at me. Do you think he was annoyed at me? I mean, it was a quick hit. What I was told was he's doing a lot of media in person in San Diego. Pop on for a few minutes. Uh, I'm actually totally in favor of rewarding the people who, you know, who traveled. Give the in-person guys some love. I will say, though... Uh, the Ryan Garcia thing is really interesting because Ryan Garcia was under his wing. Like he really, I think like said, like, this is going to be the next guy. 
Young Ryan, King Ryan, this is going to be the next guy. I'm going to put my arm over his shoulder. I'm going to tell the world this is the guy. This is the next great young Latino boxer. And now uh, he's no longer training with Eddie Reynoso, and they're going back and forth. My guy, uh, Ellie Sekback, told me that, uh, you know, he spoke to him yesterday. I actually saw the interview. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of love lost there between the two of them. Ryan Garcia said... He's tired of the criticism. He's tired of the harsh words. He's going out there. He's doing his thing on his own. He's tired of people saying that he's not motivated enough, that he's not dedicated enough, that he doesn't push himself enough. Bit of a bummer. I like their relationship. It was fun. Um, All right, so uh, that's the Canelo story, May 7th, pay-per-view. And uh, I guess at some point we're going to be joined by Eddie Hearn. Ah, the head again. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now, all right. Good timing. Let's go to our next guest and say hello to our old pal, Eddie Hearn. Hey, Eddie. How are you, Eric? How are you? How are you? This is nice. very well. I would just like to say one thing, though. Please. Because I did have to tell Saul after your interview with him that I did not promote the Kovalev fight when he was sitting on the sofa. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. He said, by the way. That wouldn't wouldn't happen on my watch. It wasn't your fault, by the way. He said I was really really annoyed with Eddie Hearn and DAZN. I was like, whoa, champ. Yeah. (laughs) I never promoted that show. So just want to clear that one up. Thank you for clearing that up. And thank you for coming on again. It's nice. We're doing this like almost every month now. It's not quite IFL. The last time was such a success. You actually made me popular. Amazing, Again, right? So I think not only are you a great presenter, you could also come on board for my personal PR. I would, well, you know, be- I would consider it. Uh, I feel like you need some people like me in the world of boxing. It's a lot of the old guard guys. They're asking you the same questions <laughs> yeah, every okay. time okay. I watch it, but uh, it's good to switch things up. Congratulations on getting back in business with Canelo. Uh, how difficult was it to cut this deal? I mean, this is historic stuff. He goes to Showtime, the last event, comes back. For you, how difficult was it to actually get this done? Well, we, we, we had a great run together. We did three fights. I mean, firstly, let's just understand that Canelo Alvarez beat every champion at 168 to become undisputed within a year. So during a pandemic, right? So we did the Callum Smith fight. We did the Yildirim fight. We broke the attendance record with a Billy Joe Saunders fight. And then unfortunately, he needed to fight Caleb Plant for the last piece of undisputed. Caleb Plant is with PBC. 
and they just wouldn't let him go. You know, we made an offer to them and, and rightfully so, you know, they wanted to use Caleb Plant really as an opportunity to bring Canelo Alvarez to the PBC and, and to Showtime. So I had to sort of bite the lip on that one and know that it was in the best interest of, of Saul. It was his opportunity to become undisputed. He wanted to make history. So it was difficult not being part of that. I was there as almost like a fan. And then this time around, it may be even more determined to work with him again. We've got a brilliant personal relationship, but it's business at the end of the day. And he's going to take the opportunities that excite him and Eddie Reynoso and that help him create this incredible legacy that he's building. And obviously for a lot of money as well. Um, for me personally, for the matrim business, anytime you can bring the pound for pound number one to your stable, the biggest star in the sport, it's a, it's a blessing. And, I don't want to sound too cheesy because I am, as I told you before, I'm a Canelo Alvarez fanboy. Um, it's just good to be around people like Canelo Alvarez. You know, selfishly, it makes me feel good. It makes me even more driven because when you have that kind of relationship with with greatness and with someone that's chasing their dreams like Canelo Alvarez, it, it, it's, it makes me feel great. And it's, it's a great position for us to be involved in. So it's a massive deal. Uh, I think potentially as high as one sixty, right, for the three fights. If 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 the three fights actually get done, uh, the one thing that you've probably heard was pay per view is dead. This is on pay per view. What is your response to everyone who's saying, "Wait a second, you guys said pay per view is dead." Yeah, I mean, I said that pay per view was dead at a certain price point, which at the time was ninety nine ninety nine, and I think that things change. I mean, people can pull up clips from four years ago. Obviously, the market changes. You know, the, the famous saying, yesterday's price is not today's price. And right. that, that really sits with someone like Canelo Alvarez, whose star has risen and whose value has spiraled out of control to a point where you're competing with all these other platforms who are looking to stage Canelo Alvarez using the pay-per-view model. Really, you have no choice but to use that model to bring a star like Canelo Alvarez in big fights on the platform. For DAZN, the subscription model doesn't change, but they do realize that for one-off special events or huge attractions, they will have to have pay-per-view functionality to compete with the likes of Fox pay-per-view, ESPN pay-per-view, Showtime pay-per-view. They're all doing it, and it, they're all doing it. And it's not—you see so many pay-per-views right now, you know, across Fox, across Showtime. That's so far away from the strategy of DAZN. But every now and again, for an Anthony Joshua, for a Canelo Alvarez. That is the model that is going to enable you to bring those megastars to your platform. Is it accurate that if uh, Canelo gets by this fight, and obviously want to give respect to Dimitri, but May 7th and Triple G gets by his next fight, that they will fight in September? Is that a done deal? It is, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not very good sort of I'm, uh, hiding stuff, so I'm not going to sort of beat around the bush on that question. That is, of course, you know, the deal that he's planned and the agreement that is in place, but everybody seems to be very hell-bent on focusing on the tasks that are ahead, and they should be as well because of the danger within those fights. Dimitri Bivol is, you know, they talk about number two light heavyweight in the world behind Better BF. He's an unbeaten fighter. He's technically outstanding. He's been looking for this opportunity for a long time, and Gennady Golovkin has to go to Japan and fight Murata on the zone as well. So two difficult fights, but you know that that is the plan. You know, the, the, the undisputed world championship, the trilogy matchup with Gennady Golovkin in September, but all eyes on May 7th, 1st to make sure they both come through. Um, just wanted to ask you about a few other things, and I know your time is limited. Earlier in the program, your old mate Tyson Fury was on, and he said 
definitively that he believes that you told Dillian White not to show up to the press conference yesterday. Is that accurate? Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I've had no involvement in the negotiations of, of that contract with Frank Warren and Dillian White's lawyer. I'm very aware of the situation. There's still a lot of things to resolve, um, you know, mainly the way that Dillian White has been disrespected in certain requests that he has made, you know, in terms of escrow, in terms of complimentary tickets for the fight. And I think it's just reached the point now where it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to respect me, I'm not going out of my way. And one of the requests was to have a private jet from Portugal where he trains, which is, you know, two and a half, three hours away into London. You're talking about a purse bid of $41 million and you expect a man to get on a Ryanair flight, which for you guys is probably translated into Southwest Airlines during still a pandemic. And you want a guy to risk, you know, like these, sometimes these people, they want to buy a Rolls Royce, but they can't afford the petrol. And they've got to understand that you've got to treat people with respect. And Dillian White, in my opinion, wasn't treated with respect. I've never told him not to attend a press conference at all. But at the end of the day, it was a purse bid. And Dillian White has certain obligations under that purse bid scenario. And right now, he's training, preparing for a very important fight. And I guess he'll see him there. Like I said, still things to be sorted out uh, between those parties. But I'm, I'm not involved in that respect. That's between the lawyers to sort out. And... Um, you know, and Tyson Fury can say what he wants, but I wouldn't tell someone not to attend a press conference. I do think that whether there's mind games from Dillian White or whatever you want to call it, I do think it's quite, not amusing, but interesting to see Tyson Fury out of control. Like, you know, they don't really know what they're doing here and maybe it's mind games of Dillian White. I don't know, but it's uh, he's going to do his own thing, quite frankly. Dillian White would never do what I would tell him to do anyway. He's, he's his own man. And if he feels like he's been disrespected, then he'll do his own thing. But I don't think it's too much to ask, you know, like I said, for a purse bid of 41 million to at least bring the 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 uh, the challenger in, in a way that would ensure, you know, that, that there's not going to be any delays to the fire. If not, he'd rather stay in camp and make sure that he was physically prepared for the challenge. Is there any chance you think that he doesn't show up April 23rd? No, I mean, as I said, there's still things to resolve. So um, he signed the contract. There are still issues. I mean, you know, Ariel, there, there are a lot of people in boxing. I wouldn't want to be owed $8 million by anyone in boxing, apart from Matchroom. You know, in the UK, it's very easy to look at people's financial accounts because you have to legally publish them, mm. right? When you look into someone's bank, which you can do into the UK and realize they haven't got 100,000 in there, let alone 8 million, I would be very concerned about getting paid, right? Now, I'm not saying he's not going to get paid, but some kind of financial security for an amount of that much would be quite nice. Hmm. So, you know, again, it's a purse bid scenario. It's very different to a standard agreement. I don't want to bore the listeners with, with stuff like this, but no. in a purse bid scenario, you know, you, you don't have to attend press conferences. You don't have to go to days and days of filming and, and you know, be, be pulled around commercially. But at the same time, you don't generally get the opportunity of, of an escrow agreement, which you would, in my opinion, like to have in line for a purse of that magnitude. But that's boring stuff. Dillian White's preparing for Tyson Fury. I'm sure he'll be there on the night and hopefully they get everything resolved. Nothing more important than what's going on in, in, in the Ukraine. But I'd have to ask because of your guy, Anthony Joshua, is there a chance now that the Joshua Usyk fight gets delayed? 
I mean, it's difficult to speak on the behalf of, of Alexander Usyk. Firstly, our thoughts are, are with everybody in Ukraine and you know, people showing incredible bravery out there, particularly some of our, you know, uh, the great fighters of the past and, and Alexander as well. So he can have the time that he needs. We don't want any, any other fight other than Alexander Usyk. So whether there's a delay to that fight and we have an interim bout, I guess that's subject to the, you know, the, the, the situation with Alexander Usyk and how much time that he needs. It's a very emotional and personal time for the people of Ukraine. So we respect them. We'll give them all the time, but we wouldn't be looking to get out of our obligation is what I'm saying. The only fight that AJ wants right now is Alexander Usyk. If we have to fight in between, no problem at all, but we'll respect this time for, for Alexander Usyk. We'll speak to his advisors and if there needs to be a delay to, to the contractual period, we will be happy to grant that. But we, we want that fight, you know, and we, we don't want that uh, obligation to slide away. I'd love to get your opinion on this. Um, we saw what happened with uh, Taylor and Catterall last weekend. Uh, I, I've heard you speak about it. And uh, I think you can't really fix the 10-point must system. Obviously, it is what it is. But I really do strongly believe in open scoring. Now, I asked Tyson about it. He's in favor. I asked Canelo about it. He's in favor. How do you feel about open scoring? Do you think that this could I was help there, change I was things? There, I was there when you just asked Sal the question. I like it. I mean, I think that the WBC already have open scoring in place with certain commissions that allow it. The British Boxing Board of Control is not one of the, the commissions that allow it. Where after four rounds and after eight rounds, you will see the scorecards. Hmm. If it's every round, I'm not sure how that works from a TV sort of fan engagement perspective. I quite like the four and eight rounds. You know, yeah. it's obviously the three thirds of the fight, four, eight and 12. But whenever I've been at a live fight with open scoring, it's quite exciting. Yes. And it can change the status of a fight. For example, if there was open scoring in the Taylor Catchell fight, all of a sudden, Catchell has to go for it. Right. You know, and from a TV perspective, it's quite thrilling that at that moment, rather than the controversy after... You can have the controversy during the fight and the fight can change. The tactics can change and evolve. And I feel that we live in a world now where people want fast pace, almost like electronic content. And, and I feel like something could be done quite interestingly with that concept in the sport, but also really important not to bastardize the sport and just make it, you know, nouveau and new age and digital. Yeah, we're going to do this now. We need to keep the rawness of boxing. But at the same time, it would be nice to give someone an opportunity to change the face of a fight if they're going to go down, you know, if they're going to get a bad decision, mm. if you know what I mean. So after eight rounds in the casual fight, you would have seen everyone say, Josh Taylor's up. And everyone say, what? Right. But at least the corner can say, you're getting, you're getting robbed there. So you have to go for it. And that's going to be very, very exciting. Or at the same way, a fighter that thought he was behind is actually in front. Then he goes into a little bit of survival mode. You know, I, I think there's a future there. Um, Run but we have to keep evolving um, in terms of the judges. And there's been a lot of talk about corruption, stuff like that. Listen, I've been in the sport all my life since I was seven years old. There's no corruption in, in judging boxing matches. Sometimes there's people who, you know, don't do their job correctly and they have to be looked at like in any job. You know, if all of a sudden you start putting a few bad shows together, Ariel, I know that's unlikely, but, you know, you're going to get looked at by mm -hmm. people. Same with me. If I put bad shows on, does owner going to look at me? And everybody has to be accountable for their actions within the workplace. And that's no different to a judge. Uh, I know we have to go. Last one, 10 seconds. Is there any chance, the one I'm most looking forward to, Taylor Serrano, is there any chance 
it's it's three minute rounds. Any chance this happens or no chance? No, no that fight is contracted at, at okay. two minute rounds. And, and look, we, we look to evolve. I don't think we need to evolve in that fight because I just I feel like we've come so far on within that time frame. You know, we talk about also females are saying, you know, we, once the rounds get longer, we also want more money, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we're not looking to duck out of that conversation, but a deal is done in place for April 30th for, for the standard duration of, of, of rounds. And, and uh, that's how it will be for that fight. And we look forward to, you know, already well through 10,000 tickets for that. We hope to fill up the garden. And obviously you're involved as well, I hear, on a few little upcoming oh, shows. Wow. And, and, you, you, uh, you know. I haven't said that to anyone. You, you're breaking the I mean, news. You, okay, well, I'll just break you the good news now, Ariel, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope you get paid well because yeah. apparently the deal's already done. So, you know, uh, if not, fire your agent. What am I doing? Whatever you want to do. Oh but wow! I'm hearing, I have free reign. I'm hearing. I'm hearing through through Jake Paul and and most valuable that we're looking to do some kind of sit down with with Ariel and and the two girls as well. So if and you I believe know, you and Jake, right? You know, my I believe you and me Jake. and Jake. We're ready. We're ready. You know, hopefully, probably a big wager on the fight as well. I can't right. wait. You know, it's a real fifty fifty fight and a, a pivotal moment for the sport. Well, they said big deal, big fight, New York City, Big Apple. You bring the big nose. You bring Helwani. So well, I'm happy to do go. it. I'm happy to do it. Ed. I want to see you more involved with boxing, area. I would like to be as well. Let me know. Good. Your okay. people call my people. Thank you so much. Uh, May 7th. What a stretch for you guys. Unbelievable stretch. April 30th, May 7th, Canelo, pay-per-view. Congrats on getting him back in the stable and appreciate you as always doing this, Eddie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ariel. Take care, mate. All right. There he is. The one and only Eddie Hearn. Uh, one of the absolute best when it comes to promoting, and that was a lot of fun. So could we get the counter up? Maybe New York Rican. So we have Tyson Fury, we have Saul Canelo Alvarez, and we've got Eddie Hearn. Um, but what about the judges? What do they think? What do they think? And yes, uh, he just broke that news. Uh, I'm going to be doing the face-to-face uh, the -face before Taylor Serrano uh, for zone. I'm very excited about that. And uh, it will be with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, and I'll be doing one with Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn. How about that? That's going to be fun, the week of the fight. Taylor, Serrano, Hiawani in the middle, Hearn, Paul, Hiawani in the middle! Breaking news. That's worth breaking news. That was mid-breaking news. Yeah, we were already doing it. I don't know. That's weird. That was like mid-song. Yeah. That was weird. Can we do it again properly? Of course. Here we go. I just wanted to make sure it worked. That was fun. How about that? Should we just change the name of the show to The Boxing Hour and just piss everyone off? Okay. So, now we've talked to all the big dogs. We talked to Canelo, we talked to Dan Lambert, we talked to Eddie, we talked to Tyson. We now know that April 20th... By the way, I got to tell you guys, another thing, like if you like the drama and you like all that other stuff, you are missing out on a lot when it comes to the world of boxing. There's a press conference and the dude isn't showing up and now he's talking about, you know, the jet and the escrow, like, this is high drama. And we're talking about big dollars here. Eight million, 32 million. This is great. The drama is amazing. Oh, hey, you want to put on the press conference, purse bids, all this stuff, TV contracts? Man, I love it. Tremendous. This is, you don't have this kind of drama in pro wrestling. They can't even script this. 
fun stuff. All right. Uh, I'll answer some questions on the back end. For now, though, let's say hello to uh, GC, shall we? I already did the ad read. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah. It's a different kind of show. Different kind of show. Had to be flexible. Had to roll. Were you in the bathroom or something? Did I no. catch you off guard? Yeah, no, you did catch me off guard. Why? Yeah, I mean, like, I said we got to. I said after I know, Eddie. I typically expect the ad read. Uh, so yeah, didn't have that nice buffer zone. Sorry, but we did I the ad read. I had a piece Remember? of gum in my mouth. It's uh, oh, that was weird. You just got to you got to be ready. I had to get rid of it. Oh, a fun day, right? Yeah, man. I like that. I like that it was like not as structured. That people were just flying at us. Oh, we got Frank in the ear. He's telling me. I mean, I like that stuff. Frank, yeah, by the way, of, I liked you in the year. I mean, I thought the volume was a little high in the year. At first, I was like, oh, geez, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I saw you jump. I saw you jump that. You were like, okay, yeah. It was like, well, it was I was like, like I don't I, know if you were responding to Canelo or to Frank <laughs> when you said, okay. Well, Frank is like, Ariel, we need to. I was like, geez, man. I mean, it's like, usually the producer is like, Ariel, uh, three minutes to go. It took you back to your uh, hard out days back at ESPN oh Radio. God. I heard that 10 seconds. That was a classic radio move. Oh, the worst. Last question, 10 the seconds. Wor- you know what was the worst? Having Steve-O, who I love, but is very long-winded. Steve-O is very long-winded. Uh, on what, you know, what I learned about ESPN Radio over time was there's certain blocks that have hard outs, and there are certain blocks that don't have hard outs, right? Yeah, top so, and bottom of the hour. Yes. So you can't book a long-winded guy on the hard out block. Yeah. There are other blocks where you can go 13 minutes, 14 minutes, right? Exactly. This yep. particular block, I was stupid, and I booked Steve-O for the hard yeah. out. They cut him off mid-answer. Mid yeah. I mean, the commercial fires whether you want it to or not. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, oh Steve-O, man, yeah. a freaking legend. He doesn't have to be doing this interview, and we're cutting him off? Yeah. Six-minute interview. That Canelo interview would have been perfect for me. That Canelo interview would have been perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. That might be The Canelo interview might be the shortest interview in the history of the show. And by the way, not me complaining. Great to talk to him. I have a ton of respect for him. I'm a big fan. Watch all his fights. But that might have been the shortest interview in the history yeah, of the show. Yeah, no, they kept it moving. They kept it moving. Fred, <laughs> Fred runs a tight ship. Fred, hey, I love Fred. Shout out to Fred. Shout Red out to Zone. Fred. Legend. Um, all right. So fun day. But let's turn our attention back for all the hardcores out there. Let's turn our attention back to 272. It is happening this Saturday. What do we got? What are we feeling? What do we got? Yeah, man. I feel like Mike Brown and Dan Lambert may have uh, swayed you. No, I don't think so. All right, okay. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing Masvidal, how is it? How is it for you? Uh, Jorge Malvidal. The Mar-a-Bidal. fans seem to love that. They love it. <laughs> they love it. When do you they love it or do way. they hate it? I'm not quite sure. Uh, I mix. think they love it. They I love think it? you should right. keep it up. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that and, Even though uh, every time he comes on, he tells me. Yeah. Well, Adisanya correct. That's me. actually a correct. Yeah. That is a correct one, even though people don't think it right. is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm going to ride with Covington, but I can get into that uh, in a second. Okay, you're uh, building up to it. You like to build, build up. Build it up. Yeah, I like to go in the in the order of the card. that the. I actually disagree, by the way. Oh, you think I should just throw him out? No, I th- I think you should go with the main event first, mm. and work your way down. Oh, well, we can start that next week. All right, fine. Because I've already you know, no, I know set you up all the graphics and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so let's start with some singles. Let's I'm just start, gonna sit uh, back and enjoy this because I'm tired. I have to yeah, know. yeah. You think I the, the headaches coming the in? Headache, everything. It's a mess. Yeah. Okay. No, go I, ahead. Uh, it's your yeah, turn. Let's let it rip. All right, first single. I got five singles for you. We will start. Ludovic Klein, Devontae Smith. I'm going to take this one. Fight does not go the distance at minus 130. Uh, this is very similar to the Terrence McKinney fight last week. Uh, I felt like this was just a really good line. I got it as soon as it came out. This line is not available anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, it's definitely not available on DraftKings. I think it's minus 225 on DraftKings now. Uh, it's the same thing as McKinney. 14 pro fights for Devontae Smith, 14 finishes, win or loss, knocked out in all three of his losses, uh, 10 knockout wins. I mean, he's got knockout power. His opponent, Ludovic Klein, he is also a finisher. 21 pro fights, 19 have not gone to a decision. Both guys are aggressive. Both have finishing capabilities. But also, both of them have been finished. So at minus 130, and they've had 35 combined pro fights between them, and 33 have not gone to a decision. That's 94% of their fights. Wow. I will take that at minus one thirty. Now, what is it now? You said at DraftKings is minus two twenty five. I, I got wow. this one. This was like it was almost exactly what happened last week with the Terrence McKinney fight. I got that one at minus one ten. Ended in the first round. I told Rick about it at lunch on Monday. I was like, I see this line at other books, and if it comes out to a book that's available to me, I will snag it as wow. soon as it comes out. Yeah. So, and when was this when you got this minus one thirty? Uh, Monday evening or Tuesday oh, wow. morning. So it's changed in two days. It changed like within hours of me taking it. Oh wow! It, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I grabbed okay. that one. Uh, all right, let's keep it rolling. Next one up, I will take Marina Rodriguez by decision. Oh yeah, this I'm is a big take fight. Flying under the radar. That's what I'm saying. I kind of wish this one was on the main card. I, I think it's going to be a really great fight. I think it's going to stay on the feet. Put uh, this on the main card. Get rid of the Hardy fight. I mean, golly. I agree. Enough I agree, already. man. Hardy always <laughs> enough his way already. The main Jesus card. Christ. They, they really want it to be a thing. I, I uh. guess I kind of feel like people like sometimes tune in to like watch the guy lose. But we like, saw it. Like we saw him get knocked out. I agree. Like, you saw it's, I agree. It's I agree. I wish this like this is a title eliminator fight. In my opinion, in the strawweight yeah. uh, division, I think this could be. And I think it's going to stay on the feet. I mean, Marina has looked fantastic in her last three fights. She KO'd Amanda Hebus, went 25 minutes with Michelle Watterson and Mackenzie Dern, uh, 144 significant strikes and 125 in both of those respectively. Uh, and I think this is actually going to be Jan's toughest test in terms of striking. I know as far as the last time out, obviously a tough test in the wrestling. Uh, but I don't really think the ground game is going to come into play in this one. I think it's just going to be a standing, you know, technical battle. And I do think that Marina is more technical in the striking than Jan is. Uh, and I do think it goes 15 minutes. I mean, both of these have shown durability. I know Marina has a little bit of that KO power. She's knocked people out before. But, you know, after seeing her go 25 minutes with Dern and Watterson landing a ton of strikes, I'm not really going to bank on that. So I do think this one goes 15 minutes. I think it goes to a decision. I think it's going to be close. So I don't really love Marina at the minus two fifty price tag. So thinking it goes to a decision, I'll take the plus money at plus one ten. I think Marina gets it done twenty nine twenty eight. It's a big fight, big fight, man. I'm looking forward to it. That's probably that's a good breakdown. And I, I do I do agree with the pick. By the way, look at this picture in picture. Yeah, I was gonna. I was I was actually just box. sitting there admiring it. Yeah, it looks nice. good, man. Shout out to you. Yeah. Uh, next single up. Also interesting that. Um, I'm I'm actually a little bit surprised. That, whoa, oh, I missed it. What was it? Minus, what was it? Plus what? Plus one ten for decision. Yeah, this is one of those ones where like it's a super weird bet, but like you sometimes books will drop like total significant strikes, uh, like an over under on that. They I, will. Wow. Yeah, I've seen people bet that before. I honestly looked into that. I haven't found it yet. If it drops somewhere, 
I might take that. I could see I could see both women landing over a hundred significant strikes. They both draft and stuff like that. I don't know because I've never bet it before. Mm. So those are fun. I like those prop bets. Yeah, they get weird. I actually got a weird one later. Oh, later cool. on, we'll get to it. Uh, next one up, Kevin Holland. This is oh, another one. What do we got? What do we got? I took this one on the Sunday. Money line. Yeah, Ooh. I took this one on Sunday uh, at minus two twenty-five. It has now been juiced like crazy. I guess no one is giving Cowboy a chance. What is uh, it? Like over three hundred now. Wow, as big as like minus three thirty at some books. Um, this is going to be first fight at welterweight for Kevin Holland. I think if the weight cut goes well, I mean, you said earlier in the show he's at 180 right now. Yep. Hopefully he's, he's not going to have too many good, problems. Had breakfast, no problem. That's what I like to hear. I think if it goes well for him, I think he's going to be at a huge advantage. He's going to be five years younger, four-inch height advantage, five-inch reach advantage against the guy in, in Cowboy Oliver. He's lost three straight, six of his last eight. Kind of have to believe that his best days are behind him. Um, and to beat Kevin Holland, I feel like you sort of need to be, you know, advanced at wrestling and grappling. We saw it in the Derek Brunson fight. We saw it in the Marvin Vittori fight. And I just don't think Cowboy's at that level. I think Holland's going to have the massive advantage in the striking game, especially at range. Uh, and I think he you know, probably finishes Cowboy Oliveira at some point in the fight. Uh, just wanted to add one thing. I know you meant this, but uh, there's a lot of people like, <laughs> to be clear. First, <laughs> a lot of the mocking voice today. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, I just, you know, sometimes you wake up. Uh, first UFC welterweight fight. He has fought a welterweight back in the day in his career, but you said first he has fought a welterweight before. But I said first welterweight, so I was wrong. This is a good. Oh, correction. I thought you were. I thought you were referring. I did to mean first. UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant yeah, but I'm saying no, no. In UFC, never welterweight, but back yeah. in the early days of his career, uh, to be exact, the first welterweight fight I think was LFA 13. You love LFA, June. Shout out to LFA. 2007. Like in the early days against Curtis Millender. Former UFC fighter. Um, yeah, I like L- that one too. LFA 13, this is off the beaten path, but when I was doing my research, Masvidal, Bellator won. He, uh, yeah. he headlined that. Oh, I yeah. I did not know that until I, until I dug a little deeper. Oh, man. Uh, Masvidal, uh, I mean, there's a very famous uh, moment in his Bellator career. He fought a guy named Toby Yamada and uh, was reverse triangled. It's one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen. And, um, I mean, it was so long ago now, probably at this point, 2009. So I'm guessing, I'm going to say like 13 years ago. And uh, I actually went to ATT, the video is up there somewhere in the YouTube archives, right after that fight and talking to him about the loss and, and everything like that. And like Masvidal was on track to just being like one of those opponents where he kind of wins a couple, loses a couple, wins a couple, like, and and Lambert nailed it. Like he was split decision Masvidal. Every fight was a split decision, either one way or the other, never got out of that next gear, never quite, you know, felt like he was living up to his expectations. And then, of course, he goes on that reality show and everything changes in uh, 2019. So, yeah, Masvidal was one of actually early days of Bellator. Uh, they they focused a lot on some of those, um, you know, Latin fighters, Latino fighters um, who have backgrounds either in Mexico, not in Mexico, Miami, because they were on um, – uh, Deportes. Their first year, uh-huh. they were on Deportes, and actually, you know uh-huh. who their you know who their English play by play guy was, John Anik. John Anik. I heard that somewhere this week. Yeah, like uh, some someone tweeted that or something. Yeah, about Anik was Anik the the first play by play guy for. That's uh, crazy. Bellator. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. That was only like ten years ago too. Like, yeah, uh, not that long. A lot of times have changed. Yep. Um. Yeah. All right. Back to the picks. Yes. Back to Bryce Mitchell. Next one. I'm oh, taking. Oh, here we go. Oh gosh. Yeah. 
Oh, hold on to your butts. I mean, I am going to be holding on to the butts. He just dropped the camo shorts. Uh, Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge step up in competition uh, for Bryce Mitchell here. I mean, honestly, I think if he loses, Edson could potentially make this look pretty easy. I mean, because he... He's either going to knock him out or he's just going to pick him apart on the feet. Uh, but if Bryce wins, which I, I do think he can, he clearly has to wrestle the game plan. It's crystal clear. Uh, pressure him from the jump. Do not stand at him with range. Uh, take him to the ground and just grind on him. I was going back through Edson Barboza's fights. I watched some of his older ones. I'm not even going to mention the Khabib one because it was against Khabib. But the fight after that, the Kevin Lee fight, I mean, Kevin Lee dominated rounds by controlling, using big ground strikes, just mauling him. But when he did stand and trade, which what is what I don't want Bryce Mitchell to do, in the third round, he gets hit with a huge spinning back kick, gets wobbled, like wobbled bad. Um, and that's exactly what we need Bryce to avoid. He just take him to the ground, just grind on him the entire time, just maul him, work it out, submission, decision, just don't stand and trade, just wrestle. I think, I think he's aware that the game plan is to wrestle, so hopefully that's what he does. So I'm banking on that to get him the win. Can I ask you a question? Where do they come yeah. up with minus 146? Yeah, I thought that was a weird line, too. <laughs> like, why is it not 45, 50? I don't 40? know. Uh, yeah. How nah, does that I, even happen? <laughs> that's what they posted. It was, I, took it, uh, I took it last week. Um, so weird to me. I don't know why it was posted like that. All right. Big win for Bryce. Would be undefeated maybe. still. Yeah, maybe. Be the biggest it's going to be the by far. Also, hasn't fought in a while. No. I'm hoping that he's gotten better. 16 months, I think, if my math is correct. Yeah, Edson's getting a little older. Anytime that they're that they're exchanging on the feet, I'm going to be nervous. There's no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust Bryce to get it done using his wrestling. All right. Check the weather. That's what he keeps saying. Twister's <laughs> coming to town. Check oh, the weather. Yes. Did he post the camo shorts? Yeah, he posted them uh, during the show. From Venom. Look pretty good. Yeah, look pretty yeah. good. Look pretty slick. All right. All right. Next up, this is the interesting prop here. Colby Covington, minus oh. five and a half points. What does that Dra- mean? Yeah, so this is the first time I've ever done this before. DraftKings does not currently offer this. I don't know if they're going to offer it closer to to the line, but I think they should get on, involved in these crazy props. Uh, so minus five and a half. So if it goes to a decision, you add up all the judges' scorecards, and he has to win by six or more points. He has to win by six. Oh, wow. So like, that is, I've never seen that before. This is the first time I've ever done it. Have you? Is this a common thing? It's becoming more common. We are so great. What, big fan of these. Really? He's the one that that planted the idea in my in my mind. On so Monday. what you're saying is he's going to win fifty to forty five. No. No, fifty to forty four. No. So no. I get I get you get all three scorecards. So like let's say it's oh. 49-46, That would be a win. Gotcha. That would be seven. Oh wow, yeah. that's and fun. He, yeah, and if he gets a finish, then you also win as well. Obviously, you do. If, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's not bad. I mean, so you're I, cutting I some money off it. So basically, what I'm thinking is that he's going to win like a pretty dominant decision. Yeah. Basically, cut the price in half from like minus three thirty to minus one sixty five. Wow, that is fun. Rick, tell me he used to uh, he used this to win the final Rick's picks back in the day. He took Jones minus five and a half. What Jones fight was that? Was that uh, the Chael fight? I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it on Monday. I mean, it, if you look at Colby's decisions, like he wins a lot of dominating decisions. I mean, in this one, I just, you know, if you if you look away from the Kamaru Usman fights, if you go to his last six fights, not against Kamaru Usman, he got a combined 40 takedowns and 52 minutes of control time over the course of six fights. 
Clearly, the wrestling is a strong suit. That's what he needs to go back to in this one. That's what I'm hoping he's going to do, drown Jorge out for five you know, five rounds. I, I think that's going to be the game plan from him. We've seen Jorge struggle a little bit with grapplers, Usman, Damian Maia, Benson Henderson. Obviously not Askren, but Askren didn't really get to do anything in that fight. Um, so, yeah, I think both these guys have shown durability. I think this one is probably going to go long. You know, I would not be surprised at all if it did go to decision. I think if it does go to decision that Colby's going to be able to win it, you know, pretty handily here. So I'll take the minus five and a half to cut the price in half. Frank, we get the... uh... Oh, here we go. EK's birthday today, our old friend. Come on. I thought you were going to do something for him. Ah, man. I should have. I should have. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I sent him a DM on Twitter. A hat, a cupcake, a candle. Oh. Oh, here we go. Hats all around. Wow. Uh, Wait, is that a happy new year? I mean, we can ignore that. We yeah. can just... No, that's good. You see, I mean, that's all really that he wanted. We're always ready. Yeah. There you go. That's better. Yeah. All right. Shout out to EK. Happy birthday, EK. Is it someone else's birthday? I don't know why I felt like it was more than one person's birthday. Today? Yeah, I could be wrong, though. Hmm. I don't know. All right. So those were the singles. We just went over those. Parlays. Okay. These will be quick because they're kind of overlapping. First one up. I took this one a couple weeks ago. I I, I really invested uh, kind of early into into this card. So I got Umar at a decent price in this one. I also had Fiore on these as well, but we lost that, which kind of stinks. So this doesn't pay out nearly as well. Uh, it's Umar and Covington. I just explained Covington for Umar. I mean, he's got the age advantage. He's got the size advantage. He's got the skill advantage. I think he's going to be more aggressive. My only concern really is the knee that he's coming off of and the experience gap between him and Kelleher, but I just think he gets this one done. I mean, the price reflects it as well. I mean, he's as big as like minus 650, minus 700 at some books. I I think Umar Umar gets it done there. So that one pays out. Yeah, yeah, tough fight, but I, I do think he gets it done. That one pays out 176. The next one up, I'm adding Holland to it. Um same one, just adding Holland to it. Uh, and then the third and final one, I will add to gear to that. Uh, cool. You know, if we want to play some levels here, uh, we don't want copyright infringement. Shout out to Cody Saftik. Uh, <laughs> so we play that. Uh, to gear. Why is this a copyright? No, I'm just, I'm just messing. Okay. I'm just messing. It's all, it's all in good fun. No, um, but, I, but like what, is this a thing that he does? Yeah, but I mean not even to this level. This is a very minute level. I was really hoping to just say that one and just keep it. Okay, on, sorry, my bad. Okay, I just right. wanted to give a shout-out. Sorry, my bad, my bad. The shout-out is deserved. I mean, he's the king of it, so. King of I, what, though? That's what I'm asking. He does, like, stacked leveled parlays, and he's he's very good at that. All right. That's what I did with the Bellator. People called me on it. Whatever. We'll, we'll own up. Um, but, yeah, to gear here. <laughs> to gear here, it could get dicey. I mean, Tim Elliott, his aggressiveness worries me. To gear's passiveness. I, you know, I just think in the last fight – doesn't exactly exude confidence, but I think coming into this one that he needs to he needs to step it up. He's training out of AK. He's obviously with Khabib Islam. I think he will be more aggressive. He's still pretty young, just turned thirty recently. I think he I think he makes another step. Tim Elliott, he's not a bum, but he's also not a world beater. Um so yeah. So all four all three of those parlays basically levels to them. If Umar or Colby lose, it's uh it's not gonna be a great day at the office. Um if Umar loses, it's really not going to be a great day because I'm also finishing off that Islam Umar parlay from last week. So, uh, oh. so yeah. And then last but not least, the prop parlay. Spivak Hardy doesn't go the distance. I just think Hardy's killer be killed. Mm-hmm. Covington Masvidal over one and a half. I just, 
I just see that one going long. So I agree. That one pays out minus 131. Those are the plays for UFC 272. And now time for our PFL challengers plays. <laughs> women's women's lightweight. Yeah. Women's lightweight should what be a good got? week. 155. Kayla. I mean, you got Get excited, it. Kayla. You got some fresh meat. Nothing else. No, I'm just playing UFC. Yeah. It it got it was a lot last week. I was really man in the remote. Yeah, it was a lot. By the way, last week. Uh Dustin Poirier hot sauce, that's a new addition. Yeah, you didn't notice it on Monday. I didn't. I like it. Was, it. Uh, it was kind of an ode to uh, Louisiana. Because of DC? Um, it was Mardi Gras. Oh, crap. My bad. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I like it. Uh, great plays all around. Hopefully. Let me see if Hopefully, any stick I mean, out for me. Should I give, you know, I tend yeah, to look at these later in the yeah, week. Go ahead and, and take a look. Yeah. You know, call me on anything. That's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, but if, if Umar loses, don't expect me at work on Monday. So. You're done? By the way, what about the fact that um, Brian Kelleher is trying to. He first he tried to walk out to like a a peace flag. They didn't let him do that. Yeah. No, well, no, it was Ukraine. They didn't let him do that. Oh, then it was the peace flag. The peace flag. Yeah. And they won't let him do that either. Kind of weird, but I guess they just don't want to get involved. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Kelleher, for, man. He's a. He's. We need a Kelleher. Uh, a Kelleher Bryce Mitchell no, wrap off. He won't do it. Oh. 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 He won't do it. Remember, he. I told you, didn't I mention this? He asked for money. Uh, Keller upset stomach last time around for the walkouts. Yeah, no, but Bryce Mitchell, capitalist. Oh, Bryce Mitchell wouldn't do it. Oh, oh, I thought Mitchell Keller asked for money. It. Mitchell, the capitalist, asked for money. Those damn capitalists. Um, Colby, Masvidal, Mitchell. You didn't touch RDA, huh? I, I'm I'm working my way around to it. I don't know. The price is dropping, so I'm not really missing out on anything. I think he's like RJ minus one sixty five. Yeah. I don't know, man. Mm. Is, that, is that the Helwani tip of the week? Mm, not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> ooh, interesting. Marina Moros? Mm, no. Yeah. Oh, Keller is the biggest underdog, huh? Yeah. Oh. I mean. Yeah, I, I kind of got locked up just just firing off parlays uh, a couple weeks back. So Jamie yeah, Malarkey uh, plus one thirty five. Malarkey's my guy. Last yeah. time out, he got that inside the distance at plus two fifty. Right, but no love for him. I don't know, man. It's a tough test. All right. I made uh, Negamirano. That's another dog that I'm trying to get around on against in, in Chequo. Yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple good dogs on this one. I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, four I wonder, or five. I, would, I really want to know. One. They should do a prop bet on pay-per-view buys. What does this do, pay-per-view buys? Why? Watch. Yeah. I don't know. You think it's going to be a rough one? No, I actually think it's going to do pretty well. I think by the time Saturday rolls around, people love a grudge match. Um, not a ton going on in sports, right? I mean, there's like college basketball, but it's not really, it's like not the tournament. Um, there's no football. Uh, what you know, baseball's crapping the bed. I mean, could you believe these idiots? Told you it was going to happen. Not that there would be any baseball on March fifth anyway, other than spring oh, training. But uh, I know I actually think shut, it's going to do well. Shut down the league. No more games ever. So Braves finish. Uh, so stupid. World Series champs. That's it. All right. Well, good luck to you. God bless. Thank you, sir. I need it. Um, and we shall check back in with uh, GC on Monday. I'll wrap up the uh, the questions. Answer a few more of these. And then we shall say goodbye. How about that? Should we get the counter back up? I don't know what we were at. That's the thing. 
Um, I'll just keep going. Is that okay? Should we do the music again? What should we do? I think we could just keep going, right? It's time for oh, a we're going to do the music. All right, cool. Q&A, MMA yeah. fans. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived to hear from the man himself, yes, that's me. Ariel Helwani. Live from the Box Studios uh-huh. in beautiful New York City, it's on the nose. Yes. And now, to answer your questions, get out of your seats and on your feet because here he is, Ariel Helwani. Yesterday's price is not today's price. By the way, is Fat Joe the one who actually came up with that line? Is that a real thing? I see a lot of people quoting that these days. Do you know, Frank? I don't know. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yeah, I think it is from Fat Joe. Interesting. Remember, no autographs as of October 20th. Nothing. Not signing anything. Peace and love, peace and love. Uh, Persian something. Hello, Ariel. I'm a fellow big noser myself who happens to be Canadian, born, living in America. Hello, Maine. I was curious to know if you could please share with us your first paid job ever and whether you liked it or thought it was a goozy. Much love and butt slaps. Uh, first paid job ever. First paid job ever? Um, I worked at a summer camp. I was a counselor. It's probably the first paid job I had. Worked at a summer camp. Worked at my, uh, worked at like a textile factory. That did not go well. I lasted like two weeks. One of the guys I worked with didn't like me at all. And I was sitting on a chair eating lunch and I was like rocking back and forth. And he said he hoped that I fell off the chair and broke my head. It's a true story. Um, I worked at a radio station, but I didn't get paid in 2000 before I went to college. Camp counselor was fun. It was all right. It was cool to make money. I was like, wow, here I am. I'm like 15, 16, making $300. It's amazing. <clears throat> Zach Payne. <clears throat> Good morning, Ariel. My question this week is how does the PFL afford everything? Do they have some big-time investor? Yes. Behind the scenes? Yes. They also have a lot of sponsors, but the it's the investors. Absolutely. And Zach is asking about, you know, how they give away those millions of dollars. It's at this point, the investors, a little bit of TV money, a lot of sponsorships. They've got a good sponsorship situation going on. But yes, I I, I also agree. It is a little funky. Like you're giving away these million dollar contracts to, you know, these, these, these prizes at the end to people who don't necessarily deserve it and not deserve it in terms of like skill, but in terms of drawing power. And you're not really selling tickets as well. That's not going to last forever. This week's handicapped hot take for you. The Queen Zombie will KO Volkanovsky in April for the title. By the way, we need to start keeping track of these hot takes. Like you just throw them out, but how many are you getting right? Good day, Ariel from Melbourne, Australia. I've always been curious with your guests or their management. Is there typically a process where you run through question topics pre-interview? No. Second question like this today. Or do you just go in completely raw and use your best judgment? Yes. Uh, Eric, in an interview this week, Kamaru Usman said something along the lines of, if one guy loses, he'll talk his way into another fight. If the other guy loses, he'll have to do a lot of work to get back into another big-time fight. Megan O'Leary followed up by confirming that the former of the two men he was speaking of was Colby, and he said yes. My question is, do you think that's true? In my mind, I think Masvidal is now on the same page as the Diaz brothers. Everyone will tune in whether he wins or loses just the same. To a degree, yes. On the other hand, I feel as though Colby can only talk so much until people get tired of it. Sure, doesn't have the same type of charisma, following. Yeah, I don't think... 
By the way, I don't think any of these guys are getting a title shot with a win. So, Mo Lester. Hey, Ariel, with everything going on in Ukraine, do you think there will be any negative consequences for Russian fighters? Too early to say, um, but it is definitely possible. After Islam's most recent win, this is from Israel D. It sounds like a title fight is next. However, the one fight I could see him taking would be against Connor. Yeah, but, you know, honestly, if I'm, if I'm representing Connor at this point, I'm saying, oh, yes, I got it. Oh, they're doing the old, uh, I'm just going to, listen, I'm just not going to read the names anymore if you want to do that. If you want to play the games like that, I'll just not read the the names. Not that it's, I mean, you want to call yourself whatever. I'll just, I just won't read the names and everyone will pay the price. How about that? Um, do you think this is an actual possibility? Um, no, I don't think Connor fights Islam. Question for GC. GC, you there? Yep. What is your theoretical money line for Hamzat and Kamaru? Oh, man. I mean, you'd have to make Kamara the favorite. I guess it all depends on how he looks against Burns. Minus 180 Kamara? Minus 150? Mm -hmm. I mean, if he goes out and dominates Burns, would you be shocked if they made Hamza the favorite? Mm. Kind of. And then again, Usman's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. I, yeah. Ask me after the Burns fight. I, I, would, I would say Usman would be the definitive favorite. What's definitive? Minus 200 and up. Right. All right. I can see that. That guy hit me up on IG to stick around for it. I think he just, you're giving me a bad rap. Everyone thinks I just leave after, you know, <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> Go to the bathroom one time, get caught. Uh -huh. um, this question here is about Kayla. Uh, there seems to be like this misconception that they were going to announce her signing with the UFC if Amanda beat Juliana, that was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. Um, Shalom Ariel, going into 2022, who do you think the next champion to fall is going to be? Not including Aljamain Sterling. Golly, no respect for Aljo. I don't like those questions because then I'm picking against someone and it's just not my thing. Side question, are there any open positions amongst the podcast that I can help out with? Need a change. Huge fan, Viva Helwani. You got anything for him, uh, Frank, GC, Alex? Anyone got any openings? I get a lot of questions about internships, but I don't know if we do that sort of thing. That's for old corporate Alex. Yeah, Alex, you got any intern uh, spots open? He's just shaking his head. Is that shaking yes or no? I can't tell. It's like oh, okay. a wobble. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Ariel, you're the goat. Shout out to G City, two seventy two. G City, really sticking, uh, really sticking around. I, I like it. Yeah, I kind of like it too. I Thanks. love it. Uh, it's right. G C and G City. Too. Yeah. D C T City. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, 272 is going to be crazy. I can't wait. Hopefully Colby the Cringe gets KO'd for the culture, but I want to ask you about what's next for Sean O'Malley. He posted by hearing that 274 will be in Arizona where he lives. I just want to ask you, I, I want to see him against Yanez. Yanez, sign me up. Yanez, May. Wait, May? Yes, May, Arizona. Ariel, just want to say thanks for all your stories about your anxiety at your time at Q's. I'm a Canadian international student in the UK playing rugby and I've dealt with some seriously anxious moments. Your show's the one thing that brings me peace, man. Appreciate you 
big time, and this message doesn't do it justice. Thug knows you're a freaking beauty, bro. All the best. Your pal, Liam. Respect, Liam. And uh, hang in there. Better days are ahead. You'll feel lonely. I'm sure I know to a degree what you are feeling, but better days are ahead. I promise you. Oh, how about this? You're the loudest voice in MMA when it comes to sounding off in favor of open scoring. Yes, I'm also the right voice. And all the time you've talked about it, you've neglected what's perhaps the biggest reason against open scoring. Oh, I can't wait for this. Is it about their feelings? I'm shocked no one has brought it up. Simply put, open scoring would allow for corrupt judges to play kingmaker, and there'd be no way to prove said corruption. If judge one scores rounds one and two for fighter A, and judge two scores rounds one and two for fighter B, a judge three who scored one for A and two for B essentially gets... Nah, get out of here with this nonsense, okay? Just just stop it with this nonsense. Enough already. Just try it. Enough of your stupid the reasons as to why this is not going to work. Try it, okay? Try it. By the way, I like the 4-8 thing. That's a boxing thing, but just try it. By the way, give me one. Give it to me. Give it to me once after round two, and in a title fight or five-round fight, give it to me after round three. How about that? Enough already. Judge A, Judge B, Judge C, Judge D. Ah! Hey, Big Poppy, I've got an April Fool's Day idea that could ruffle some feathers. What are your thoughts about bamboozling people? Bamboozling people and saying that uh, I believe that Henry is the goat over GSP. I mean, I would just be ridiculed and laughed at. Uh, this next question is asking me about my favorite type of egg. <laughs> egg preparation. Scrambled, fried, poached, or boiled? Or Benedict? Well, I guess poached would be on top of Benedict. Uh, what do you say, Frank? What's your favorite kind of egg? Um, I like fried. Yeah. What about you, GC? I used to be fried. I'm coming around to scrambled, though. Hmm. I always feel sort of like underwhelmed by scrambled. Got to know how to make them. Yeah. Boiled is okay. Poached, a nice Eggs Benedict is okay, but I actually one time saw a thing where they were talking about Eggs Benedict and they said, um, don't, like the, the sauce. Have you ever heard about this? The hollandaise sauce? The hollandaise sauce. Very unhealthy. It's like all this like butter. It's like old yeah. butter. They melt it and they put, it's like, don't do it. That's what I heard. So that kind of. Yeah, I think it's just egg yolk and butter. In the sauce? That is the I sauce. heard it's like really, really old butter. Anyway, I like a good smoked salmon Benedict. Sand sauce. This guy says he thinks that I'm an, a boiled egg fan and that I probably have one in my pocket. Not sure how to take that. Did you see the UFC London poster that dropped? Man, that poster is whack. I really don't understand. Marketing. This, it's all bought and paid for, guys. The brand is big. You don't need... These aren't important details right now. Possibility of a Jones-Stipe fight. I guess it's possible, but no talks of it right now. I noticed during Izzy's training camp videos on his YouTube page, he was training a lot of Taekwondo. Watching the fight, I was expecting to use a wider variety of kick combinations. Do you think this was due to the takedown threat? I mean, those videos are very hard. It's like they show you whatever they want to show you. Maybe he put that out there to make Rob think that he was going to do X, Y, and Z, right? Think about how often he's in the gym, how long he's in the gym. They're only going to show you a snippet. It's like when you see those videos of Mello at that gym in New York and he's hitting like eight threes in a row. What about all the threes he missed? 
I don't know why I said Mellow. He's always there with that guy, Brickley. You know that guy? I'm sure GC has that guy on his Instagram. You know what I'm talking about? Chris Brickley? Yes. It's a great video. Love it. Uh, why hasn't Nate Dustin been made? Nate's contract. Who do you believe, who do you think Jorge and Colby will call up after either of them win? Maybe, I don't know. I guess the Connor thing, maybe. I don't know. Haven't thought of it. Greetings, Ariel. What do you think of a card in Mexico with Yair uh, Ortega, Moreno Figgy, Aldana Holm, Grasso Mayo? Sign me up. Oh, this is fun. Um, another week, another star-studded lineup. Thanks to you. I was wondering what it felt like when you get the text back from Canelo's managers agreeing to the interview. Was this before or after Tyson and Eddie agreed to come back on the show? Lastly, what was the most surprised you've been by a proposed guest agreeing to be interviewed by you? Um, well, that was all Fred from DAZN. He was tremendous. Uh, I will admit there was a part of me that was like, oh, if they find out that they're on the same show as Tyson or Tyson finds out the same show as Eddie, will they be upset? Not a peep. Uh, Evan at top rank was huge. I mean, this is the thing, you know, <sighs> do you talk about these things? Do you not? It's just like, it's it's a pleasure to work with people who are appreciative of the platform, who want to have the guys on. Meanwhile, the the sport that we talk about 98% of the day, you know, they treat us like, uh, you know, we're we're outcasts and that's fine. I'm, I'm totally fine with that, but it, I, I won't lie. It's nice to be, you know, it's nice to be treated like a pro with, with you know, some respect. So it was great feeling. Uh, I was surprised Logan Paul did the show, and I was surprised how easy it was for him, you know, to to do it. Like it was just like I sent him a message. He responded like thirty minutes later, and his assistant reached out. You know, the chase is fun. The worrying after, like, are they going to come on? Are they going to be late? And you see, like, everyone comes on. Everyone's relatively on time. The chase is fun. Like, I I love throwing out like hail marys, and then you know. Every so often they hit. Sometimes they don't. The chase is fun for sure. So it's 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 great. It, it, you know. Again, people do this for a living. But I enjoy the chase. What is your Mount Rushmore of fighters who never won a belt in the UFC? Oh man, um, Hendo, Musasi. Now, does Fedor count because he didn't make it to the UFC? Uh, Mirko. Does Big Not count because he won the interim? I'm going to say he he doesn't count. I'll go with those four. Try to think. Probably those four. I feel underwhelmed about this weekend's main event. I feel like the winner and loser have no clear moves after this. Who cares? Let's just see how it all kind of plays out. Do you feel this one is missing the mark a bit? I won't say it's missing the mark. I'll just say, like, I feel like it's happening two years too late. That's my main issue. Remember, they're both coming off multiple losses, knockout loss, Jorge. I just feel like it's, like, a tad too late. But could be wrong. Longtime fan, first-time contributor. I've noticed that most journalists do not show emotions, reactions while on camera. Example, while interviewing guests, they tend to avoid nodding, shaking it, blah, blah. Is this something that is taught? No. I don't like when people interview someone, they go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I do it sometimes. Yep. I hate when people interrupt. 
And sometimes when you do these Zoom interviews, like you try to, you know, it happened a couple of times with Tyson. I try to predict when they're going to end and then you jump in so it keeps rolling. Sometimes it's better to just leave that beat, but you don't want that awkward pause. These are just things that you learn over time with reps. But the worst is an interview where the person is continuously interrupting, interjecting, giving their opinion, not actually asking questions, or asking nine questions in one question. These are things that drive me nuts. P.S. If you start an MMA promotion, it should be called Juan Championship. Get it? Yes. Also, go Bills. Happy Wednesday, Ariel. You recently, and by the way, I'm not reading the names. So that one dude, you ruined it for everyone. Happy Wednesday, Ariel. You recently highlighted the anniversary of your day in London with Michael Bisping. Videos like that um, and the Rampage one at Katz's Deli are some of my favorite. Would you be interested in doing more videos like that? Yes, for sure. Maybe Liverpool with Till and Molly. Sure. Stockton with Diaz Brothers. Sure. Athens, Georgia with GC and Jed. Wow. How much do you pay that guy to say that? Going to my first event in uh, Columbus later this month. Enjoy. Obviously going to watch every single fight, but I'm sure we'll be away from our seats sometime within the six-ish hours. Might be an odd question, but what are some things I should look for, experiences that I shouldn't miss while I'm there? Well, sometimes they have things like, you know, in the, what is it, in the corridors and whatnot, concourse. But honestly, most of the fun is going to be at your seat in the arena. Sometimes they have things outside, but I doubt in March they're going to be doing that in Columbus. Favorite segment of the week, two questions. Who is the most famous person you have in your phone? Wow. The Rock? Does that one count? I guess The Rock, yeah. GC, does your gambling prowess extend beyond sports? Are you a big Vegas or AC guy with card games or dice games? No. I like I play like if I lose fifty dollars in a casino, I'm done for the night. Really? Yeah, now, I don't I don't know why I love sports betting, just never gotten into the casino. Now but okay, but what about like uh sports in the casino? I mean, yeah, yeah, going to a sports book, like placing it live, yeah. getting the actual paper ticket. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean that's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I like watching my friends play in casinos. You just like to be a voyeur. Yeah, Montreal Casino, virtual oh, yeah. horses. That yeah, was some real was degenerate fun. stuff, but yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. that was a good time that I had one time. That is a fun one. I've been there a couple times. Used to have a yellow shirt from there. Uh, before I ask a question, just want to say thank you for all that you do. Your work has been the source of much enjoyment for many a year. I used to listen to you on the way to from university classes, and now I listen to you during my commutes to work. Thank you. You somehow managed to make an hour-long drive feel like five minutes. Thank you. I will always... Uh, I will always get uh, remember, I guess, getting the chance to meet you after the 193 Open Workouts. Wow, second person that mentions it. Um, now to the important stuff. I have a very serious question. Would you rather have to surrender your phone for three months or do a... Oh, God. Or do a shooey from a random person every day for a year? 100% the three months. 100%. Like, not even a question. Hi, Ariel. Is mensch a word only used for men? No. And if so, is there an equivalent word for women in Yiddish? There might be, but I would just say mensch. Asking because I contacted Roxanne Mataferi about submitting her writing to Clinch, my literary magazine, and wanted to call her mensch, but decided against it in fear of misusing the word or offending her. Nah, go for it. Any fear we have, uh, we are a Shemaya finish away from Leon getting hopped for the title again? No. 
Hey, Ariel, what's your thoughts on a potential Sean Brady versus Hamza matchup? I'm down, but I think Brady's a little further back than Hamza at the moment. Good morning, Ariel. Your interview with Logan got me thinking. If you had to pick one current UFC champ and one past champ to be U.S. president, who would you pick? Normal rules don't apply. Uh, I'd go with D.C., and current UFC champ? Honestly, I'd go with... Well, do they have to be American-born? I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with Francis Ngannou. How about that? That's what I'm going with. Any chance Nate Dustin headlines in the summer? Maybe the July 30th one. Shalom, Lord Hilwani. I'm a lifelong resident of downstate New York... Sullivan County, and every summer there's an influx of Jewish visitors from New York City, Long Island, and New Jersey. As a proud Jewish New Yorker yourself, have you and or your family ever spent time in the Catskills? No. Driven by it, but never spent. But I'd like to. Uh, Hey, Ariel. Great interview with Logan Paul. I saw a side of him I've never seen before, and you turned me into a fan. Wow, thanks. He mentioned that he can't look at his old YouTube videos. Prior to his incident in Japan, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. And I wondered if you also have a line in the sand with your catalog that you cringe at when looking back on. Do you ever watch old episodes? It's hard for me to watch last week's episodes, let alone ones from 10 years ago. So I understand where he's coming from. Now, for me, it's just like you see yourself. You're, I, I don't necessarily cringe. I'm just so critical of myself that it's uh, it's hard for me. His stuff is like... You know, it's hard to watch because he's so out there. Um, but I totally understand that. That being said, I won't watch today's show. It's just hard for me. It's really hard. It's hard for me to listen. I was listening to my, my wife wanted to listen to the Steve-O interview yesterday. And I just couldn't listen to it. Like two minutes in, I'm like, all right, I've had enough of this. I can't do it. I don't know why. Ariel, tell your Hogan's heel turns. Oh, your uh, Hogan hurt. Ariel, tell your Hogan turns heel story. And how'd you react? I was not watching live. I wasn't watching wrestling that closely back then, and I certainly wasn't watching WCW. Afterwards, I did, but I wasn't watching live. I thought it was brilliant. I always wanted to see John Cena turn heel. I always thought that would be fun, but I guess the merch was too great, but I always thought Cena heel would be amazing. Question for you. Have you ever heard of the rappers West Side Gun, Conway the Machine, or Benny the Butcher? Benny the Butcher, huge Bills fan. Uh, So yes, I've heard of them. I feel like they'd be incredible guests to get on together for your standalone channels. They're from Buffalo. Yeah, Benny the Butcher. And never miss a WWE or AEW event. All right, thank you. Uh, hello, Ariel. If Hamzad and Colby both win, do you think they'll face each other? It's not a bad shout, but the problem is if Colby wins and 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 then beats Hamzad, you're left with Colby as number one contender again. What are your thoughts on Kayla Harrison more than likely signing with PFL? I was hoping she'd go to Bellator, not because I'm anti-PFL. I just wanted to see the new matchups there and wanted to see uh, her versus Cyborg. I just think that it's the same old. If maybe they could do 145 for Kayla this year, but I think it's too late for that. My new hope is PFL signs Cyborg and we get that fight over there. That's my new hope. Ariel, huge fan. Fellow Newhouse grad, I have a question about UFC contracts. When a fighter signs a five-fight contract, do they get the same amount for all five fights? No, it usually goes up a little bit, depending on where they're at, but it usually goes up. Also, reminder, you could get cut after one. You could renegotiate after one. So if you lose, you could get cut. If you win, you can't. Or is that amount? So, no, yeah. So uh, Ariel, when you first had Volkanovsky on the show, he was 3-0 in the UFC with one finish. What made you see he was so special at the time? 
I don't know. I mean, that's why I love doing the show, talking to some of the younger fighters, the up and coming fighters. I think that one was actually uh, a pitch, but I'm not going to say I'm like some, you know, great scout here, but I honestly don't remember. How many pay-per-view buys do you predict this card will do? I'm really curious about it. I'm going to predict between five, seven, um, maybe six. They've been doing well lately. And again, you know, not a lot of competition this weekend. Hello, Ariel. I finally thought of a question good enough to ask after listening to your show for months. It makes my work days go by much faster, so thank you for that. <laughs> Could you rank these in order of likelihood of being on your show one day? White, Shab, Abdelaziz. I mean, honestly, I think Shab would come on next week. So I'll put him on first. And then I'll put Ali on next because he's a salesman and eventually this is going to go away, is my prediction. And then I'll put Dana last because he holds the grudge the longest. Hey, Ariel, thanks for everything that you do for the MMA community. I've always kind of watched you from afar. And as time went on, I watched more interviews. I found myself slowly integrating your show into my life and has become a must-watch listen on Mondays and Wednesdays. Thank you. What do you think is a higher chance of happening? Jorge winning by KO or Colby winning by submission? Hmm. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I'll say Jorge by KO. I can't see Corey getting submitted by Colby. Hello, Ariel. Two-part question. I never bought Islam actually stepping in to fight RDA. Good. Who do you think took the misstep in calling out Dos Anjos? I don't know. Islam or, or management? Who knows? One and the same. When life gets too stressful or, or overwhelming, what is something or an activity you do to try to relax de-stress? Viva Hilwani. Um That's a great question. Probably don't do a good job of that, if I'm being honest. I love the weekends. Uh, I love going to sports with my kids, like watching them play sports. That's fun because you can kind of like zone in and watch. Um, love watching them play soccer, uh, flag football, stuff like that. Working out, going for a run helps a lot. Like running to the park, you don't look at your phone. That definitely helps. Going to sleep, but that's at night. But yes, I need to do a better job of that for sure. Ariel, if you had to make an ultimate MMA fighter, who would you pick for the following attributes uh, to form them. Oh, this is too much. It's too late in the game for that. Um, I don't like those questions where it's like, take this, take this. Like, you're making me think. Just let me give you the goods here. Um, Jezza Q back again, getting used to this now. Quick observation for me this week. Does New York Rick look like a poor man's Roman Reigns or what? Wow. That's, I mean, that's a strong, strong take. Highlight of my week is listening to these shows. Can you give my pal John Millwall Smith a shout out? Respect. Wow. And New York Rick actually responded. Now, is this the actual New York Rick? New York Rick, like deep into the archives, wrote, I'm the real big dog. That chump wishes. I'm going to guess it's not New York Rick, but maybe I'm wrong. We shall find out. Do you think the beef between Jorge and Colby is 100% genuine? Yes. I know you have some issues with Rogan. I mean, it's just that one, really. Rightfully so. However, I would love for you to do his podcast. Not up to me, guys. <laughs> it was New York Rick. That's amazing. Wow. How did you find that? That's incredible. We need to get like one of those things like Baba Booey and Howard where there's the camera and the microphone in his house too because the delay in him responding on Slack is, is killing me. How did, he find, how did he find that question in the midst of all these questions? Ariel, how does a listener get immortalized on that famous wall? Mm, haven't really got there yet. 
Streaking through the octagon, no. Surprise kissing Dana, no. I'm not going to uh, encourage any of that. I appreciate your integrity in covering the sport. Thank you. I was a casual as they come, as casual as they come, until I started learning the fighter story through your content. Thank you. Here's a freebie for you to use whenever you see fit. I haven't seen anyone else suggesting this. To support open scoring, the best analogy I could think of is ball strike count in baseball. Can you imagine the ninth inning of the World Series ending on a highly contested strikeout because the ump blew it on a called first strike so the hitter and fans didn't even know he was behind the count? Yes. Respect. Ups to GC for his continued festive spirit. Love the hats, love the decor. How about that? Sounds like Jorge is asking announcers to drop the S in his name. Do you think he's trying to get closer to how you pronounce it? Is that true? Jorge Maravidal. Let's see who's cooking what. Do you know what is getting discussed in terms of fights for Paulo Costa? No. Gregor Gillespie? No. Sean Brady? No. Roy McDonald? No. Askarov? Pantoja? Blanchfield? No. Dylan Dennis. Uh, why is everyone raising their hand to jump in against RDA? But we heard crickets to jump in against Islam. I mean, I feel like you know the answer to that. What is the Ariel fight viewing experience like? I, I really just like sit here and watch on my, I sit at home, watch on my computer, this computer, and take notes, look at Twitter. I used to watch in a room with a TV, none of that. I, I like to have like, my eyesight sucks. So I like having everything super close to me and having the multiple windows up. And that's pretty much it. It's not that fun, if I'm being honest. Okay, just a couple more. Some days these shows can go for a very long time and I've never seen you leave to go to the bathroom. What type of sorcery are you trained in to enable such magic? I don't know. At some point I'm going to have to. Oh, wow. New York Rick question. Can you explain what the end zone from American football is again? Didn't quite fall. <laughs> what a guy. Ariel, do you think we'll ever see the big quarterly press conferences again? Sure. Okay, just a couple more here. Greetings, Ariel. What are your thoughts? On MMA introducing a challenge system. If a fighter thinks he's been fouled and the ref doesn't see it, he singles to the ref to make a challenge. Uh, gets a little too convoluted. Not sure I love it. Big question here. What do you think about Bryce Mitchell's approved camo shorts, Bebe? I didn't see him, but good for him. Respect. Any update on Nate? Not yet. Moving the right direction. Quick shout out to your former coworker Tony, who ran your board up at ESPN. True, Anthony Kataluyid. He works for Lebetard now and is hosting a watch along for the prelims on the YouTube channel. Would be cool for El Nariz to pop in for that Hiawani bump. Wow, Tony was the man. Yes, he was our. He was TST before TST joined. Um, my early days at ESPN. Great guy. Now with the uh, the Metal Lark Army, the pirate ship, and I love that. I actually don't think he was an MMA fan before we met, and I think now he's a big MMA fan. So I'd love to see it, just like most people. I mean, like now Frank does watch-along parties. He's on Reddit all day. Like how are you watching 272 on, on Saturday, Frank? What's your plan? I was going to try to go to Connor's. Oh, Connor. <laughs> Any uh, 
Any the space? offer is on the table. Wow. I'm okay. I'm happy to have Frank over. I'll have the pay-per-view on two TVs. I don't know what's going to be on the second one yet. Okay. Shout out to Tony. He is the man. Yeah. You know Tony? He probably doesn't know me. I went down to Levertard Studios one time, and like I sat in for a show, and he was the one that like liaisoned me. He was great guy. Great this guy. is great guy. I never met him. No, I have. Met oh, him. you have, I have met him. <laughs> I spent a few hours with him. No, yeah, great guy. Probably this does is, not remember me. This is pre um, Metal Ark Levitard. This was when Levitard was still part of ESPN Radio. Yeah. You want to know something crazy? January of 2020, I'm in Miami. I'll never forget this for as long as I live. I'm in Miami because I was doing sidelines for um, Clippers Heat Friday night ESPN, right? And uh, I think Mike Ryan found out. I tweeted about it, invited me to come in studio, which was a huge deal. It was amazing. I get to go in studio like the Clevelander. This is a big deal. And I got to go in studio for a couple segments and Stu Gotts let me read the update. Um, you know, he, do, he did like the, the news update, the ESPN News, the Sports Center, whatever. Yeah. And one of the items was that a top-ranked card in China was canceled and going to be rescheduled because of, of something called the coronavirus. And I remember reading it for the first time. This is like mid to late January in 2022. I'm like, coronavirus. And I remember the quote from Bob Arum was, we've got Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder next month. I'm not going to go to China. And he said something like, and catch some, I think he said some like cockamamie disease, if my memory is correct. I'm almost 100% sure he said that. And uh, I was like, what is coronavirus? I remember saying this, what is coronavirus? What a strange name that is. And then lo and behold, like, you know, a month and a half later, Everyone knew what coronavirus was. Uh, actually, on that episode, they dared me to say like one of their lines on the broadcast, and I said it within like the first ten seconds of my first hit on the broadcast. They made me compare the L.A. Clippers to the uh, stars of the UFC, and I made some good comparisons. <laughs> by the way, I compared. I was like, hey, uh, you know, I cover fighting, and uh, here I am going to compare the Clippers to, uh, you know, the stars of the UFC. I compared Kawhi to Stipe because I was like, Kawhi is the reigning MVP champion, quiet, unassuming. Stipe, heavyweight champion, quiet, unassuming. Uh, I compared Patrick Beverly to Connor. Bit of a stretch, but just because he was like, you know, outlandish, bit of a troublemaker, whatever. Um, I don't remember any of the other ones. Did I do uh, what was the dude's name? Oh, no, I forget the one who went to the Lakers and then he went, I think, to the Wizards. Oh man, he was great for them. You know what I'm talking about? You're not a big basketball fan, are you? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think I'm talking to? Describe <laughs> him one more time for me. The dude who was on the Clippers and then he signed with the Lakers and everyone got mad at him. Montrez Harrell. Yes, Montrez Harrell. Uh, I think I compared him to, like, Usman. Actually, I think New York Rick helped me with some of these. Some of them were a little bit off. But uh, I, at the very beginning, I was like, this is an important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. That's a Lebetard line. Everyone loved it. Shout out to Lebetard. All right. By the way, I'm happy we have that number up there. That's an impressive number. 81 questions. Wow. That's a lot of questions, just Shout for the record. Kobe. What? You know what? Shout out Kobe. This this is
Kobe. Yeah. 81. Shout out to Jalen Rose as well. All right. 272 coming up this Saturday. Let's go. Canelo, Tyson Fury, Eddie Hearn, Dan Lambert. We're done. I got to go. You can hit my music, Frank. Usually I look at the uh, the wire here to see if anything happened while we were on. Did anything happen? Any big news? I'm seeing a lot of support for Cain Velasquez. A lot of support for Cain Velasquez. Uh, it gives me uh, gives me chills. Can't imagine. More information has come up. Uh, can't imagine as a father. Uh, what he is going through, and uh, just just a very, very, very unfortunate, horrific, horrific story. Again, I'll repeat, I know Kane to be a great guy, and really a, 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 a man who loves his family, so we'll see. I wish him the best, I wish the family the best, and uh, wish this didn't happen. Really do. Really wish this didn't happen. Uh, much love to everyone who tuned in today. Much love to all our viewers, all our supporters, the Hiawani army getting stronger by the day. We are we are galvanizing. And thank you to all our guests today. Thank you very much to Dan Lambert. Appreciate him. Check out AEW. He said, hey, I'll come on. You got to plug AEW. I can live with that. I can live with that. Thank you very much to Tyson Fury, man of his word. Thank you to Top Rank as well. Hey, on this program, we have Top Rank. We have Matchroom. We've got The Zone. We've got ESPN. We bring them all together. Thank you to Canelo. Saul Canelo Alvarez and thank you to Eddie Hearn as well thanks to everyone who sent in questions appreciate you guys very much thanks to the team thanks to all of y'all enjoy UFC 272 back on Monday same time and place tell us peace I'm out of here uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook UFC 300 is here DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five Buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash mma.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.